what a what an opening we've had here, Brendan. Everything is dying on me over here. <laughs> Nothing's working right today. Nothing. The mouse stopped work. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with that laptop. I give up. It wins. I lose. This is why we think of the Roman Empire. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. This uh, is what led to the collapse sim- of the Roman Empire. <laughs> simpler times. Yeah, technology probably yep. led to the downfall of the Roman Empire. Yep. <laughs> oh, gotta love it. I don't even have our music on here. It's just everything just... Is it... No, there, it has to be... That's the air horn. There it is. Welcome in to the Good Time Sports Podcast. My name is Colin Brown, and today I'm joined by co-host producer, Brendan Carson. And today, it's episode 53. Hopefully, you're all having a wonderful day or night whenever you're listening to this. we got a lot to talk about. Some Major League Baseball, some Formula One, some college football, some NFL, and this day in sports to wrap it up. Without any further ado, let's get into it. All right. Some storylines of the day, September 19th. The Orioles have won three in a row and are two games back of the Braves for the best record in Major League Baseball. The young Orioles are at it again. Nathan Yavaldi pitches against the Red Sox as the Rangers battle for a postseason spot. That is a very big series coming up for the Rangers. D-backs, Cubs, Reds, and Marlins are all within one game of each other, battling for two wildcard spots. And Yesteri Ruiz has joined Ronald Acuna Jr. as the only player since 2017 to reach 60 steals. I think Brennan's actually got some news for us as well. Uh, just breaking, like right now, uh, Miami Marlins have claimed left-handed reliever Matt Moore off waivers from Cleveland Guardians. So it'll be another interesting pickup by Miami trying to make that push. Yeah, wow. Um, Miami... I'm trying to think back to our trade deadline episode. They didn't have the they made some moves, but I still thought they were just too young of a team to really make a push. And they are, um, wow, they are they're making an effort. Yes, sir. And I mean, I'm looking at it: 78, 78, 78, 79 wins for all those teams. So, yep. And then the uh, the Rangers will now finally have Josh Young and Adolis back from injury. Huge for them. Yep. Huge. Now, pitching wise, they're still just in a downward spiral with injuries and everything in between. So see the thing is now as a Rangers fan, you can say at least we addressed it. We just couldn't maintain it. <laughs> no one could stay healthy this year. And it's unfortunate, <laughs> right? Cause the Rangers are having, they had such a hot start too. Can I, I mean, would you say this is the best year the Rangers have had post Ron Washington era? Would you say? Oh, yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. It's, it's been since, I don't, it's not, not since maybe the World Series contending years, but it's been almost a decade, right? Yep. Since the Rangers have been this level good. And they have a bright future, obviously, with young Adolis. You still, you have your infield locked in with Seeger and Simeon. Yep. So the Rangers could still make some noise in the postseason, excuse me. Um, it's just a matter of, like you said, how much can the pitching deliver in the postseason? It's pitching and then really just your guys staying healthy because that seemed to be their biggest issue. Like, we started off really hot. We were doing really good. Pitching would lose us some games. They addressed it. They tried to go out. They got Max Scherzer. They were trying to make some plays there. And then injuries again. <laughs> yeah. So it was just you couldn't escape it. 
Yeah, and as we currently sit here today and refreshing the uh, good old standings, the Rangers and the Mariners, uh, both of our teams, are sitting there tied for second place in the AL West and deadlocked in the wildcard race for the American League with the Houston Astros, another team of Brendan's, leading the way a game and a half over our three teams. Could the This season has been, in terms of what, we root for here on the podcast about as good as you can get an AOS with all three of our teams just yep. kind of <laughs> deadlocked. Yeah. And I don't, I'm trying to think the last time I saw something like that with the West and I really just can't, it's been a lot of Houston Astros just, and that's really been about it. It's just been the Astros. Like the Rangers haven't really been close and neither has Seattle. I mean, what? Yeah. No, <laughs> no, listen, I'm not, I'm not, argu- yeah. no, I'm not arguing with you. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, the Rangers are currently on a four-game skid, but as you mentioned, they are getting two of their best bats back. Yep. Um, but they are tied with the Mariners for that last wild card spot. Uh, with Seattle winning last night against the Oakland Athletics, it's one of those ones where it could come down to later in the season when the Rangers and Seattle square off and who's healthy, who's yeah, not. who's healthy, who you know can make the right plays at the right moments. I just want to confirm. So, yeah, the Rangers are currently taking on the Red Sox. I will actually be going to that game tomorrow um, at 1.05 p.m. And then right afterwards, they're home versus Seattle for three games. Then they're on the road for three versus the uh, Angels, excuse me. And then they have to go to Seattle for a final four-game stretch that ends on October 1st. What an absolute just... (laughs) <laughs> well, and now you're going up against the Angels, who I guess we need to touch on it. Otani yeah. is now done for the season. Yeah, shame. So looks like it sounds like he'll be getting some surgery on his arm. So, I mean, honestly, the Angels should have done this a while back. They should have. Because they had no chance to make playoffs. I don't know why you kept playing him to possibly injure him further. And that's might have probably what they did. Yeah. yeah. Now, so here's the thing I'll say, you know, Shohei. We obviously miss very sorely. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to miss, and um, he may miss some time next season, if not all of next season, just to kind of recuperate. Still, a team's going to offer him, you know, the most amount of money to try to get him to come play for their uh, roster. We're not worried about that. Uh, I do feel, listen, hey, look, Shohei was having a breakout season. He's, I think, still favored to win American League MVP at this current moment. We'll see kind of how the last um, couple of weeks turn out. Yep, but. Yeah, I just I feel bad for Otani. I predicted him to have like a record potentially breaking season this year, and he was on pace. And he we got the graphic, so cha-ching on that kind of that. But it just it seemed like the Angels were so reliant on Otani that if he wasn't pitching, I mean, they were not getting consistent um, play on both yeah. sides of the ball, uh, pitching and fielding. Well, and then you had Trout, who's been injured off and on this which whole season which that's the story of his career yep and then now they're also talking about the angels were like oh yeah we'd be open to trading trout if you would want to be traded and i'm like i don't know who would want to take that risk now at this point right if you wanted to trade him pre-injury issues sure and then the other teams would have suffered from all that but right. now his stock has dropped dramatically because he's been injured yeah right. when you get him he can hit a couple hits and hit some home runs but how long are you going to really keep him for? And that's what most teams are going to be asking themselves if they want to go after him. They'll still go. For the markability to loan, the fact, the pure potential of it, Albert Pujols, um, whenever he became, uh, signed that mega deal coming out of St. Louis to the Angels, speaking mm-hmm. of which, ironically, um, he got a major contract. You still gave uh, Aaron Judge, even though his wasn't having the best. Uh, well, they weren't willing to give it, and then you saw what happened, and then 
he earned it. Yep. I think Otani, purely from a hitting standpoint, if you just had him as a hitter, he's oh. still going to get an extremely huge sum of money. The thing is now the pitching is a you know kind of a bonus upside where as, even if teams are cautious with it, say you just had him as a you know reliever at some point, and I'm yep. not saying that's the way you'd use him. But even if you just reduced his role either side. Or closing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Either yeah. either way that you decide to use him, he's still so valuable. The fact that he brings the bat, he's a very reliable fielder, and the fact that he can pitch, run, all that, hit for average, he's a six-tool player. I mean, it's it's something we've never seen uh, to this level, and he's going to get the bag no matter what. I just To me, it, it, it will get into a bidding war because some team, whether it's the Giants, whether it's the Dodgers that I've been saying – you know, whether it's the Rangers, the Mariners, the uh, Cubs, whomever, right, is going to make a major play for him because they realize the value of Shohei Otani. Yeah, I mean, Shohei, like we said, marketability alone is something insane. His name brings people in the seats any given day, right? I mean, I went to the Ranger game when Scherzer was pitching, and his name alone filled those seats as well. Yep. And I went on, like, a Thursday game, and I was like, there are a crap ton of people here, and it was insane. Yeah. So I couldn't, again, we've talked about it numerous times on the podcast. So I don't want to keep, you know, hitting that same point, but he is unequivocally valuable in the sports world. Yep. Like there is no other equal to him. And some team will get him. I, like I said, I've, I'm still banking on it's going to be the Dodgers. I don't, and even then, too, like the Angels are saying, oh, no, we don't really want to get rid of him. I'm like, I don't know how you can afford him. Yeah. It's, which One might those, be why they're thinking about getting rid of Trout. Yeah, I just think they need to go into a complete rebuild. You sent me something very interesting, I believe it was yesterday, about the top five highest paid players in all oh, of the baseball. Yes. And one of them is not Trout or Otani. It is, in fact, Anthony Rendon. Yep. And yet the Angels, look, they are not in a good position for their future. They need to start building towards the future. And I think with these this offseason, we're going to see a complete teardown of a franchise that is just it's been a disappointment let's just call it what it is since yep. mike trout's gone there it has been a failed disappointment and um i think this is the end of the angels they are going to be one of the worst teams in baseball going oh, wow. forward yep and uh rightfully so um yeah that top five list just to give everyone a, yeah. an idea you got justin verlander at one tied with max scherzer yep fair enough you got aaron judge three Yep. So respectable. Yep. Yeah. And then Rendell at four and then Mike Trout. Yeah. That's just insane. That's just look it. The angels will make some changes and then yeah, they'll go from there. Um, yeah. Good thing that we touched on it. Nope. I want to talk more about the winning teams though. So Seattle and Texas. So the rest of Seattle's schedule basically, right. Is they finish off the series with the athletics then they obviously have the series with Texas. The difference is they have to go um, host Houston before they host Texas, Yep, which is going to be a very tough task for the Mariners. Um, so that leaves the Rangers with a scheduling advantage going forward these last couple of weeks with obviously, you know, playing the Angels rather than the Astros. Didn't Oakland also randomly sweep the Astros? I think, uh, I think at one point. It was like literally just like a couple weeks like, ago. Yeah, like earlier this month. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we may just not have touched on it that specific episode, but I believe you're right. And that now leaves, you know, the Astros potentially vulnerable, but it's just, I trust their experience. I mean, yes, they are going up against the Orioles right now, 
but I mean, that's, that's never an easy matchup, but then they've got Kansas city and then they're on the road against Seattle. And then they're on the road against Arizona. To me, I much rather <laughs> have uh Houston's schedule because you you have the path of more least resistance compared to the division. Yep. Well, listen, Arizona's going to be fighting for their playoff lives. That that's going to be difficult no matter what. The fact that they get the Royals, and again, I th- still think they're a better team, just in this spot that I think they're going to come out and win tonight uh, against the Orioles and potentially win uh, Wednesday night as well or Wednesday afternoon. Excuse me. I just I really like Houston's schedule out of the three. Um, and I think they wrap up the division lead, but like I said, anything could happen. None of these are gimmies outside of maybe a couple for Texas and Houston. Yeah. But yeah, this is shaping up to be one heck of a, one heck of a finish here. And then that also leaves now Toronto who Toronto's now sitting there. They're also in a wild card spot. Yep. They're currently just finished up the series with Boston. They're at the Yankees at the Rays, which is not. You know, no slouches. Then they're at home versus those same two teams in succession order. So the Blue Jays, essentially, right, they could also be in play with this, right? It could be somewhere where all three of our teams making the Blue Jays somehow crumble. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, man. This is one of those weird things right now with the American League where it's just all over the place. You it's unpredictable at this point and. There's really no telling what's going to happen. Yeah, because in the wild card race, the Blue Jays have a one-game advantage over the Rangers and the Mariners. But yep. depending on thing, how things shake out, it could be very interesting for the Blue Jays. Uh, one thing quick to note also as well, the Orioles and the Rays have clinched postseason bursts in the American League. Um, they are still competing for, obviously, the division title, um, two and a half games separating those two teams. Yep. But they are in the postseason, so we do know at least two postseason teams. It looks like the Twins should clinch any day now. Um, I'm not sure what their magic number is, but they are seven games up yeah. on the Guardians. Um, patting myself on the back for predicting that one. <laughs> they will get probably eliminated in quick order, but hey, you know, that's the American League this year. And then it's just, all right, you know, you've got four teams fighting for three spots. Yep. And I cannot wait to see how it all shakes out. Yeah, and then to cover teams already eliminated, we have... The White Sox, Kansas City, the Angels, and then Oakland. So yeah. Which would be interesting. Yeah, Oakland retaking that worst team in baseball record. So hanging out there, Oakland. You know, you're doing well. You're doing well. Uh yeah. The Red Sox, Yankees seem to be out of this playoff race. They are seven and eight and a half games back of the Blue Jays Yo. as of recording this. Uh, not fully eliminated yet, but, but they're, they're they're hanging there. They're basically same with Detroit. Yeah, like Detroit and Cleveland again. They're seven and eight and a half games back of their division, respectfully. Yeah, and um, yeah, just don't see those teams potentially making it. But we've got a heck of a wild card race, boys, and um, yeah, cannot wait to see how it goes down. Yep. All right, going over to the National League, where as we mentioned in kind of the pregame uh, kind of warm up there. The Braves, their number one record in all Major League Baseball. Baltimore's kind of hunting it down. Uh, they've lost their last four. Um, the Braves, listen, it's one of those things where they may have lacked a focus. Uh, they did get swept by the Marlins, who are in kind of more desperate playoff mode right now, and then they lost their first game in the series against the Phillies. Yep. Uh, I still believe Atlanta's a really good team. Um, they've just kind of dealt with a little bit of sluggish play here. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't expect them for this to continue because after this Philly series you know you go at Washington uh versus Chicago at home and then you round out with Washington at home um those are very winnable games and I could still see the Braves winning maybe 105 games maybe maybe a little less but 
100 games for sure. I see only docking for them. Docking for them so I just love how Washington's been eliminated, right? Mm-hmm. And the Mets, who have already stated way earlier in the season that they're just in rebuild mode at this point and they're not eliminated yet. As of somehow. <laughs> That's just sad. Yeah, it's they've won their last two, um, but they should be probably eliminated in quick order. Oh, they order. will be. Same with uh, St. Louis. Louis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. St. Louis. Pittsburgh. So St. Louis could have been eliminated last night. I saw this, but Adam Wainwright got his 200th win. Yep. So and shout out it, to him. It barely keeps them afloat. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> this has got to be his last year, do you think, right? I, maybe. I don't how, know. There's no telling. Old, hold on. I'm, I'm looking this up while you maybe break down the rest of the same. I'm, how old is Adam Wainwright? That is a good question. Cool. But uh, going into probably the next team that will be eliminated, honestly, it's going to be... He's 42. He could still play. He's 42, man. At some point, I mean, with the direction... The Cardinals took this year. I don't know. I, I would be seriously thinking about it yeah. if I was him. Uh, next team that'll probably be eliminated is going to be San Diego, which Colin and I had jumped ship earlier. I jumped ship yeah, earlier about to, than about Colin. To, I was about to say, but... yeah, you jumped probably sooner <laughs> sooner than I, I did. I, and I, sure. saw, I saw the direction it was going, and it was not going well. I just, dude, there's so much talent. They still have a plus seventy nine run differential, which means. You know, they're still a really talented team, better in the record states, but they're, yeah, they're just... There's something going on in that locker room or something that's happening where... And maybe you need a new coach. Yeah, well, I mean, look, and they've had, you know, stuff with you, Darvish, this year. Blake Snell, I think, has been on Mm -hmm. uh, the injured list. They've had injuries to their pitching top duo, so maybe they just need to address... They need to address the bullpen because it's been kind of rough. Well, even then, too, like, some of the mistakes they're making, too, out there are just like, I'm like, what are you doing? They have a lot of players in uh, in terms of talent, but not necessarily in the right spots in terms of cohesion as a team. Yeah, there's, like I said, there's been reports going on where people aren't getting along. People right. aren't really giving effort at practices. People aren't even giving effort at games at times. Yeah. It, I've it's seen, all over the place. I've seen players get envious of over other players, yep. kind of the roles that they've been given. And, I mean, if you know baseball even a little bit, you could probably guess who those players are. So, yeah. uh, look, it's something where... Yeah, we'll see what the Potters look like next year, but we thought this year was their year. Obviously, we were wrong. Um, whenever we do get to the end of the regular season, though, me and Brendan, and potentially Andrew, we'll make our playoff uh, picks for baseball, and then we'll kind of even recap our play- or, excuse me, our MLB regular season predictions from the beginning of the year uh, or beginning of the season. But looking at the rest of the National League, look, so the Braves and the Dodgers clinched their division. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned it, the Rockies and the Nationals are the only ones eliminated. Yep. Um, the rest of it's wide open, including the NL Central, which somehow, man, I the fact that I got both Central divisions when I was so unsure of them, I, it's crazy to me. But yeah, the Brewers, man, leading by six games over the Cubs and the Reds. It's, it's one of those things where it's going to come down to the wire. But I need to, I need to talk to you about something, and we got to have a conversation. De La Cruz, right? We're both fans. Yeah. He's not looked as great as we thought he was coming out. He's still a rookie. I know. But he's, here's the thing, he's so explosive, right? He's very athletic. He's very quick. He can hit the ball far and everything. He needs to fine-tune a lot because of how raw of a prospect he was coming out. He's a rookie. I know, but, like, here's the thing. There's, from what the height that we gave him, Right, coming out. We just kind of need to kind of reel it back in a little bit. 
just kind of temper our expectations. I still say he deserved the hype that we gave him for that explosive start that he had as a rookie coming straight up. I mean, but the being stuff we called were, up. I mean, the stuff. We're, no, I'm not saying he's not a major league baseball player. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you were yeah. saying that. I'm saying yeah. you got to give credit where credit was due. He deserved the hype at the beginning of what he was doing. No, for 100 for being a highlight guy, yes, but it's. It's the everyday stuff that may not get included on SportsCenter or MLB Tonight. No, yeah. That, like, he'll, he'll strike out most of his at-bats right yeah. now because he's swinging at everything. Yeah. He, he has to he has to really pick his pitches. He needs to get better at his basically just plate vision yeah, in general. He does. So, and again, these are these are growing pains of a rookie that you will deal with. Yeah. but Not it, everyone's going to come out there and suddenly be an all-star all the time, right? You don't. You're not going to have maybe like how the Rangers have Josh Young, who is very disciplined at the plate. My point is, is that comparatively to a guy like Josh Young, Ellie De La Cruz is a long way away from being that type of major league baseball player. 100%. So it's one of those things that, look, we'll gladly shand his name, De La Cruz, anytime he comes on. But we just kind of also have to remember expectations and realize that there's a lot of guys in major league baseball that may not get the name recognition that he does Mm -hmm. that are a more consistent ball player day in and day out. And I think Ellie De La Cruz has a bright future, like you mentioned. I understand that he's a rookie, but let's just kind of like wait for him to really kind of put it all together. He could surprise us all and do it next season. I still think he probably needs a couple before he really hits his stride, but he's definitely the future of the Cincinnati Reds and somebody that if you're a Reds fan, you should be very happy about going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And then, I mean, kind of going back how you were saying, like there's a lot of rookies out there this year that didn't get recognition. Like I said, Josh Young, for example, is one of them where Corbin, a lot of Carroll. People, Corbin Carroll is another yeah. great one too. Like it's a lot of like the average fan has slept on. Yeah. I would say where yeah. De La Cruz again, it was, Hey, this guy got called up and it yeah. was just how explosive of a call up it was and how well he did yeah. where you had Josh Young, Corbin Carroll, where they were consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were good, but they were consistent. Not maybe highlight reel 24 seven. Like yeah. it's just the De thing La Cruz is, was being the second he did anything he would get blown up. And yep. again, I understand the marketability of it, but we just got to make sure we give respect to those other guys that people well, like the stealing bases though. I, and I get it. And I love the fact the inside the park home run, the yep. fact that he can hit it exit velocity up there with the greats. Yep. hundred percent agree. Just let's just kind of remind ourselves that, Hey, he's got a little bit to go, yep. but he's got a bright future. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Oh my God. Are we, are you ready for uh, it? I about to say, take, take your drink right now. Yep. I'm about to just making sure refreshing the page here. Yep. Nope. It's, it's your time. All right. Ready. Let me take a swig. Here is a uh, Cohen's injury update. Carlos Correa exited early from Monday's game against the Reds after aggravating the plantar fasciitis in his left foot. Definitely an injury you do not want to have. If you're Carlos Correa, Manny Machado appears headed for the off-season elbow surgery or perhaps in-season elbow surgery, depending on the Padres' fate down the stretch. Uh, Manny, just get yourself out of there, man. You're kind of done right at this point. Uh, All right. Not himself, but the uh, Padres, excuse me. With that team. Yeah, right? (laughs) I understood what you meant. Right. Uh, Kristen Yelich, the Brewers are expected to make a decision prior to uh, tonight's game against the Cardinals about whether Yelich to place Yelich on the 10-day injured list because of back stiffness. Shohei Otani, as we mentioned earlier, was placed on the IL on Saturday and will miss the remainder of the 2023 season. Mike Trout left Hammett fracture, uh, has begun holding the bat and taking dry swings. I just Trout, I I would shut it down personally. Uh, Moving on down here, Felix Bautista, right UCL injury through 20 to 25, pitches in the bullpen on Sunday at Camden Yards for the Orioles. Uh, rolling on down here, Brian De La Cruz for the Marlins. Right ankle discomfort came up limping while running out his third inning ground out this past Friday. Uh, he was out of the lineup again this past Monday. 
Salvador Perez was placed on seven-day concussion IL on Monday after getting hit in the face pass by a foul ball in the fifth inning Saturday. Uh, Kinley Jansen, COVID-19 IL, is feeling better and will fly to Texas to join the Red Sox in the coming days. He is eligible to be activated on Wednesday. Tyler O'Neill was placed on the 10-day injured list Sunday with right foot sprain. And last but not least, Brett Beatty of the Mets was out of the lineup again Monday for the fifth straight game due to left groin strain. That is your injury update. Thank you for listening to Major League Baseball. We'll take it over to Formula One. I really like messed up bringing a Red Bull today because it is just giving me all kinds of like (laughs) I've been holding the burps in. Um, And I know Brennan's about to take a little break here, but he's more than welcome to chime in. Hey, Brendan, guess who won this past race? Max Verstappen? No. Really? His streak of 10 consecutive race wins was broken. Unbelievable stuff. And it... It only took 10 races. <laughs> yeah. And guess where he finished, too? Fourth. Close. You were Dang. Fifth. You were almost, you were one spot for, away. For someone who didn't even watch, I just, you know. Which is ironic because he was challenging for fourth on the last lap, so you would have gotten it if he would have gotten the pass. But Dang. You were close. I respect it. Job well done, sir. Um, yeah, no, that was arguably. I know we've been talking a lot about the past couple races. Um, that was easily top three, if not top one, best race of the year. Carlos signs for Ferrari with an incredible 400 IQ strategy, was able to hold off for the win. Lando Norris and Lewis Hamilton round out the podium. This was an absolute insane race. Singapore, to give you an idea, Brennan, since I'm kind of just talking to you and the folks here, Singapore is the one race that, even if you have the most dominant car, because of the heat that they drive in, even if they drive in at night, which they do, it's just so unpredictable, the track, that even the most dominant cars, if they have a slip-up, it's usually at Singapore. Like, it's... Max Verstappen had a bad race there last year um, when he was winning the championship. Like, Mercedes had their issues when they were winning it. This is the track that can really just throw a wrench into things. And it gave us that race again. Red Bull were off the pace the entire week, um, weekend, excuse me. And it resulted in them finishing P5 and P8, respectively. They'll be back next week. It'll be fine. But this race gave us an absolute just classic. Um, Carlos signs, right? So he qualified, you know, on pole and was able to execute the win, holding on hards for, God, I want to say it was like 42 laps which is not an easy feat that this track because of the tires heating up so quickly, they, the rubber just burns through it. Um, Mercedes had a beautiful strategy, a two-stop strategy, uh, in which it looked like they were going to catch the two lead cards of uh, Sainz and Norris. And they got close within the last couple of laps before George Russell um, drove off on the last lap, ended up you know, killing his race. But the real story of the race here was Carlos Sainz, Right. So Sainz was the best car from Thursday till Sunday at the end. He drove a very impressive race, but obviously being on those old tires, he wasn't on the optimal strategy. And he had a couple of Mercedes coming in, potentially trying to steal his win. So what does he do, right? He realizes, okay, so I have, you know, me and this car behind me and then two cars that are faster than both of us, right? What's the best way for myself, you know, to get this win is to try to keep a car between me and the Mercedes coming through. So what does he do? He uses Lando Norris in a defensive manner where he purposely slows down in the opportune times to 
give Lando DRS. DRS is drag reduction system. It basically allows you to go your car to go faster in the DRS zones. Um, it gives you like 10 to 15 mi- extra miles per hour, stuff like that, which obviously if you're behind somebody, it's used for overtaking. But because Signs was so much faster than Lando, he gave him just enough to give Lando kind of like a pull. And Lando was obviously defending because he's trying to get P2 and finish the best he can. And so Signs is basically dragging this car along so that Lando could play defense for him. Hmm. And so you obviously, you've played F1, I think, like once with us before. Yeah. The video game. Yep. Um, it's, it's pretty easy on the game, right? Like you're sitting there, controller, you know, optimal room temperatures in your house are probably like 70 degrees or something like that. You know, you can see the uh, interval on the top, right? Like a lot of things going your way. It's a completely other thing to do it at 200 miles per hour when you don't know the gap and that you're doing it in real time when you don't know the condition of your tires, like all this stuff, right? And he did that and was able to get the win in what was arguably the most impressive win this season. It was phenomenal. And the fact that he was able to get... Oh, and by the way, these guys, the guys who finished P1 and P2, for those who don't know, used to be teammates. So it was a nice kind of moment there as well. Um, yeah, it was... One of the greatest races, not only because Red Bull did not win, admittedly. It's nice to see somebody else win for once. Um, but that race, literally down to the final laps, there was four cars within 1.7 seconds of each other, all just battling it out. And it gave us what we were looking for this entire season. And Max Verstappen just, you know, it's a shame that his streak broke, but also I'm not really sad about it because <laughs> we've seen it enough, Max. You'll get some more wins the rest of the season. We're not worried about you. So, um, yeah. How many more races are there the rest of the season? I want to say, I mean, I, here, let me just pull it up before I just... Like, does anyone have a chance yeah. of even no, no. attempting to... Uh, I mean, look, technically, if Max were DNF every race... <laughs> That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> like, like it, is it, there... It's, well, here's the thing, right? So I'll, I'll pull up the uh, schedule real quick. Is so, it going to be, could he not race and win at this point? Uh, it's getting, It's almost getting to that point. So, okay. So he, obviously, we just had Singapore. So we've got Japan coming up this week, which I'll preview here in a second. Then you have uh, Qatar, United States, and uh, uh, Mexico, Four, Brazil, five, uh, Las Vegas, six, Abu Dhabi. Seven. So seven. So seven left. Is uh, anyone even remotely close? Uh, his teammate, which is like not even that close. It's like he's like over 100 points clear of his teammate. So, so, <laughs> so could he just not race? I mean, it's it, he's not. he hasn't clinched it yet. If he would have won this race... He could have clinched it at Suzuka coming up. Okay, so he needs two more, basically. Roughly, yeah. Give or t- I mean, given or take with the points and everything, he he got a little closer because he still got points yeah. this race. Um, but I'm pretty sure. But if he gets two more first place wins, he's basically like I could with, just sit with out fastest there. lap. Yes, okay. yes, he could. Which that's never been Max's uh, mo. But you know, that's just you know that that is the reality that this this season's basically in terms of comp- competition it's been over but it'll be officially over um maybe he'll just put the you know the nail in the coffin yeah I and think then it, it'll be like i'm gonna sit yeah. out and everyone else can go race yeah i think it's qatar is the first race that he can now clinch it okay so and that's the end of september i think so end of this month or maybe the beginning of october one of the two um but yeah so rounding out the point finishers obviously we've mentioned the top three P4 was Charles Leclerc. P5 was Max Verstappen. P6 was Pierre Gasly. Another impressive drive for him. Uh, Oscar Piastri also coming from P17 all the way to P7. In his first, by the way, first race, at, first time racing at this uh, racetrack. So that's <laughs> impressive. Uh, Sergio Perez, P8. Liam Lawson in his third ever race getting P9s. Incredible. And Kevin Magnussen in P10 in a very impressive race for the Haas, um, rounding out the points finishers. Um, yeah, there's so many storylines 
going through this race. I'm not going <laughs> to bore you all with all of them, but oh my goodness, were we treated to an absolute banger of a race, and I am just so happy <laughs> that we got this here um, this past weekend. It was also reported that uh, during the last week that Guan Yu Zhou is going to stay at AlphaTauri. He seems to get his finances in order, and he's going to be racing for AlphaTauri uh, this upcoming season. And it is also reported that it's likely, not confirmed, but likely that Yuki Sonoda and Daniel Ricardo will be driving for AlphaTauri. That obviously makes Andrew very happy, Daniel Ricardo still being in the sport. Um, we'll see if Logan Sargent, potentially, what's going to happen there. He could be likely the odd man out. Um, but to answer your question from earlier, Brendan, uh, Max Verstappen has 374 points on the season. Okay. Uh, his next challenger is his teammate Sergio Perez with 223. So that's roughly a gap of, quick math here, 151. Okay. So <laughs> I'm not going to try to teach you the whole thing, but basically, yeah, two races time, he should have it clinched up. There you go. So more than likely, he'll get it done then. Just call, um, call the season over then. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, maybe. Um, but yeah, it's... It's looking interesting, man. Uh, I also want to give credit to Andrew, who correctly said Ferrari was going to be competitive this weekend. I didn't think so because normally when you're competitive at a place like Monza, which was the last race before this, which had a lot of long straights and very just kind of relies heavily on your engine horsepower, that you don't tend to necessarily do well if you're not like the most dominant car at like a track like Singapore, which is very technical, a lot of tight corners, stuff like that. And credit to Carlos Sainz. Um, he's been the best Ferrari driver these past, like, three races or so. So um, definitely definitely a great job by him winning his now second-ever Grand Prix. Uh, Didn't yeah. someone else announce a new car recently? Uh, for, let me see. You're saying, like, a new livery or, like, a new, what do you mean? I don't, wasn't it, like, Ferrari or something? Oh, like, the well, they had, like, a... a uh, uh, what should I call it? A new livery for Monza that okay. they did. Um, yeah, so Williams, actually, this race, they had the uh, Gulf livery. Um, that's McLaren's often used, but they got the Gulf sponsorship this year, so they had a new livery. And then potentially Red Bull might have something this upcoming weekend. But, yeah, uh, in terms of new cars, though, and uh, Andretti, I forget his first name. Andrew would kill me if, if I didn't know this, but uh, Andretti Motorsport, it's a famous name in Formula One and obviously in America. Uh, they're trying to potentially get into F1. How likely that's going to happen, we'll see. But that's kind of just the main main threat to adding in an 11th team in Formula 1 at the moment. Okay, uh, moving on to Japan uh, really quickly. Uh, this race will be happening midnight Central Time on Saturday night. So fair chance I'll probably be up and watching that one. Um yeah, I expect, like I said, Max Verstappen to win at Suzuka. He actually clinched his second world championship last year uh, at Japan um, at Suzuka. I think he's going to win, get back on the right track. Uh, Red Bull, this is a track that will favor them. I honestly think Sergio Perez could get P2. He drove really well here last year. And for P3, I'll give it to Carlos Sainz, man. I'm going to ride the hot hand. He has been phenomenal two poles out of the last three races. Uh, dr driven really well. And, um, yeah, Ferrari seems to have really kind of found their footing. And, yeah, I'll go uh, P1 Max Verstappen, P2 Checo, P3 Carlos Sainz. Uh, like I said, this will be the next race with a gap in between. And then we head to Qatar where Max could be crowned the three-time world champ that we all know him to eventually become. So, <laughs> 
Absolutely insane. Uh, last thing here. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Fernando Alonso and Aston Martin, they are in trouble. They were at one point the second best team. Alonso didn't pick up any points, had a really bad race, kind of a couple of mistakes, rarely by him. And Lance Stroll didn't even start the race after his bad qualifying. Andrew would probably want to mention that. Um, listen, Lance Stroll doesn't matter. He's going to continue to race for as long as he wants to race. But for the sport's sake, I really hope he um, considers maybe either trying a little bit more or just giving more effort. So that will conclude our F1 portion of this podcast. Thank you, Brendan, for sitting through that. Uh, without any further ado, let's take it over to college football. Bum, ba, dum, bum. All right. So one thing that I'm going to go ahead. Sorry. I just want to say I was happy about how I said the Georgia game yeah. would be a good one to watch. You did. You correctly said that. And um, Georgia still remains number one in the newest AP poll. We had doubters saying it wouldn't be a fun game to watch. And it was for a half. And then Spencer Rattler turned yeah. into the old Spencer Rattler. He did. Which we'll get into that here in a second. Um, AP top 25. Only a couple of movers. The one I'll just highlight, Texas jumps up ahead of Florida State after their near loss against Boston College. So they're now three, Florida State's four. Um, Georgia, Michigan, Texas, Florida State, USC is the top five with Ohio State, Penn State, Washington, Notre Dame, and Oregon rounding out the top ten. Uh, Alabama drops uh, three spots after they just have not looked great. Um, their quarterback situation we'll talk about here <laughs> later in the episode. Colorado moves down a spot after nearly losing to Colorado State. And then Tennessee drops 12 spots after losing to Florida, um, who is now ranked at number 25. Uh Credit to Billy Napier. He did a heck of a coaching job, and now Tennessee is on kind of the back foot the rest of the season. But getting into the actual games that happened. Um, I also want to say OU's at 16, so suck it, Andrew. <laughs> Most disappointing my ass. And just, you know, that <laughs> it stinks that he's not here today. Uh, would have really loved to him to be on here, but he's got, he's got work stuff to do. Um, okay, we'll just kind of go in chronological order. Miami, Tyler Van Dyke, uh, Mario Cristobal, they continue to look impressive. They won against Bethune Cookman, 48-7. Not much to say here other than, yeah, Miami. I'm liking him as my dark horse in the ACC. Okay, so we'll get into this Georgia game because I I said last week, I I said we may not be talking about Georgia until November. Well, I was wrong because, (laughs) oh, my God, Spencer Rattler for a half looked unbeatable, and then in the second half he looked very beatable. In fact, they were up 14 to 3. Yeah. In Athens. Mm-hmm. Um, Rattler had only had two incompletions. He had a touchdown. Uh, looked very efficient. Looked like, again, the guy that originally came out of Pinnacle High School in Arizona and just everything fell apart in the second half. The, the yep. Bulldogs realized who they were. Uh, Beck turned into a more aggressive downfield thrower. Uh, Dijun uh, Edwards, 20 carries for 118 yards. Touchdown led the way on offense. And, of course, Brock Bowers, 7 for 54, was tied for the lead in receptions. Look, Georgia and Kirby Smart, they were too well-coached of a team that if you did not play your A game throughout the game, that you're going to knock them off. Spencer Rattler, unfortunately, just, again, with South Carolina, I get it that his offensive line's not the greatest. He's been sacked numerous times this year. They This kind of just now raises an eyebrow every time we look at Georgia, Okay. I had mentioned this before, and I told this statistic, but I'm going to remind the audience. The last time a team three-peated in college football was 1936. 
was the Minnesota Golden Gophers. <laughs> yep. It's been a while. Um, three-peating is not easy to do. Nick Saban, who we all agree in our lifetimes is the most dominant college football coach, and again, maybe ever, he never three-peated. Um, respect Kirby Smart, but he's got a heck of a hill to climb because this team that Georgia has this year, outside of, again, they have a pretty good defense. I wouldn't say it's as good as last year's. And Brock Bowers on the offensive end, they're just... I don't know if they're talented, and I don't know if Carson Beck's going to be the guy that can necessarily deliver on the biggest stage. <laughs> like, it's, I'm a little concerned for the Bulldogs here. I think they'll be able to pull through. I mean, you're going to have games where you're going to look a little rough every now and then. And yeah. I think this is just one of those, you know? Mm -hmm. So it, they, they found a way to win, though. They and that's did. what matters. They did. And to be honest, I mean, looking at their schedule, the next closest game that they're going to have in terms of like on paper is Florida at the end of October yep. on 10 28. So, it's, I, I would love to say, I, you know, Georgia is going to continue to potentially have one of these games that could slip up because that'd be great for, you know, just the season and everything. Yep. But they're just, their schedule so soft until they get probably to the SEC championship game. And by that point, Carson Beck's going to be a full season in basically. And the team's going to have gelled together and Kirby Smart's going to have them. So we're not even going to really know about this team until potentially, what is that, December? So Something like that, yeah. Yeah, I just I don't know, man. Look, you correctly said that South Carolina could give them their money, and I'm glad you pointed that out last week. And yeah, I look, Georgia has some questions. I don't think it's any just kind of dismissal of uh that they're just gonna run away this year, kind of like it was last year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll definitely keep our eye on the Bulldogs. And here's the thing, too. They may have fallen down to number two if it hadn't been for Michigan and JJ McCarthy throwing up a really just game. I mean, they yep. won 31 to six. McCarthy threw three interceptions. This is something you don't love to see if you're a um, veteran signal caller, you know, no. as a fan of Michigan. And again, I'm maybe attributing this to maybe Harbaugh not being there and maybe straightening his quarterback out and being like, hey, get your bleep or whatever. Together. <laughs> yeah. And um, he still threw over two touchdowns. Uh, Blake Quorum was still himself. Donovan Edwards still best running back doing foot, uh, college football. This is also another one of those, Michigan, wake up. Like, you've got the Big Ten this year. You've got Penn State. As Andrew correctly pointed out, they are a threat. Ohio State, if you're not on your A game, they will knock you off. So I was very disappointed by the both top two teams um, that we, all three of us here, either picked to win or, yeah, all three of us picked to win one version of them or the another. Yep. And they did not have great weeks. Shoot, um, Florida <laughs> State, man. Yeah, so this one, this one was tough. So... I was watching this game. Jordan Travis goes down. Uh, it was around halftime. I think it was, it was either end of the first half or beginning of the second half. He goes down with like a shoulder injury. He ends up coming back in the game. He didn't have his greatest game. It wasn't a bad game. 15 of 24, 222 and two touchdowns. But Florida State just did not play their A game. They felt like they could kind of sleepwalk over Boston College, maybe kind of looking ahead towards um, conference play. Or yeah, not, not conference play, but like more kind of serious games and everything coming up. And, yeah, Boston College was ready. They came out. They were high-firing. And, honestly, maybe a call or two goes the other way, and we could be looking at Florida State being a little less ranked. So, um, yeah, wow, Florida State. Yeah, all three of these teams really just did not play their A game. And Florida State was the only one to drop out of the three. And, you know, I would not even argue rightfully so. But this, this was wake-up week. As Andrew said, this is where you need to be fine-tuning, like getting ready for the bulk of your season. Mm -hmm. And some of these teams were just not hitting their stride. You want to know who had a wake-up week this week? 
Who was that? Kansas State. <sighs> yeah, they did. The upset. The big one, I would say. Uh, they lost to Missouri 30-27. to um, Look, Will Howard, as much as we respect him, he is not the same level of quarterback as... Uh, oh, shoot. Who just graduated from there? Uh, I'm going to look this up. It's going to kill me. Um, I mean, Will Howard didn't have a terrible game. I mean, 25 for 39... 270 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. Hold on. I'm just, I'm, this is going to bug me, but I'll address that here. So, is it now? Was it Adrian Martinez? That Missouri's was QB, Brady Cook, 23 for 35, 356 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. So, Missouri's QB definitely looking a lot better, I would say, in that game for sure. It's, um, here, I'm sorry. I just, this is going to bug me. 2022 football roster. Um, I'm blanking on their quarterback's name. The point is, is that Kansas State last year, they had a guy that would make those kind of just clutch plays that would get them through games like this. Mm-hmm. And Will Howard, while he is very talented, and I'm not saying he isn't, and he didn't have a bad game, he didn't just make the play that you needed to kind of escape a game like this where last year they would have won. And that's one of those things that you just have to um, kind of realize as a K-State fan that correctly, Andrew, yes, he gets to take the victory lap that he correctly called this game. And uh, he, you know, he gets to wear that. But also now realizing kind of where you're at as a program, they're not where they are. They don't have a Deuce Vaughn walking through that door. They don't have an Adrian Martinez. They don't have uh, these level of guys that, you know, everyone thought they were. And it's they're still going to be competitive in the Big 12, but I just think they're missing that just little bit extra that they need to really be that like yeah. standout team from last year. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be the biggest thing that holds them back from the, uh, the big 12 championship, in my opinion. And I know, I think it was, a, did you pick them to win the big 12 or was it just Andrew? Andrew. Andrew. Okay. Yep. So, but speaking of who I big 12 champions that we picked, Texas took care of business at Wyoming, uh, 31 to 10. Again, not really impressive. This was just kind of a game that not really the, Top-level quarterbacks had really great games. I mean, Ewers was only 11 of 21, two touchdowns. The reason why I want to highlight this game is, okay, so we're sitting there, and we'll get into USC in a second. But the five leaders of the conference, right, Mm -hmm. in all five Power Five conferences, USC, Florida State, Texas, Michigan, uh, Georgia, I almost said Ohio State. Um, Texas seems to me like the most likely threat to not go undefeated simply for the fact that they keep playing down to their competition. Yep. Ewers, for as much as people want to just kind of like prop him up there, and at times he can look like one of the best quarterbacks the in the country. Colt McCoy. Or whatever he is. Um, listen, he's talented for sure, and obviously that game against Alabama was huge. But if Texas wants to get where Texas believes they can and where Texas honestly should be, Ewers has to step up his game on a regular basis. Now, I get it. They got the win 31-10. to 10. It's, you know, not, no one's going to be thinking about this game, you know, years from now. But Ewers and Texas has to have to go into this Big 12 season realizing that this is theirs for the taking. If yep. they play their A game every Saturday, they win this conference. There's just no doubt about it in my mind. And look, it's one of those things that we'll maybe look back on it and, you know, this is the one kind of iffy game of yours this season. But I don't know. This is kind of like a looking back to last year's Texas where, again, yours played really great against Alabama for the time that he was in there, and then he kind of fell off the rest of the season. So... Maybe history. The fall off. I, that's what I'm saying. Will will so it about to repeat? Maybe. Who knows? Uh, Kyle McCord 
bounce back performance against Western Kentucky. Ohio State really just hasn't played anybody. Um, 318 yards, three touchdowns. Trayvon Henderson, two touchdowns on the ground. Marvin Harrison had five for 126. Ohio State, again, out of respect for them, they'll be in the mix for the Big 12, or excuse me, the Big 10 championship. Like, Yeah. Where do they switch conferences? Um, this, to me, just, I don't know. I just don't love this Ohio State team. I really don't. And I, I get it. McCord had a really great game. It's against Western Kentucky. I'm waiting for a game that we will be previewing here for next week because that's going to be a really interesting game to me um, against the Fighting Irish. Penn State took care of business, 30-13. Uh, to 13. Again, uh, Drew Aller didn't have the be- uh, best game, but James Franklin, they're going to have these boys ready to play. They took care of business against Illinois. The least talked about great team in college football, the Washington Huskies. Took care of business, 41-7. to I'm not going to talk too much about their opponent because obviously they're going through what Mel Tucker's going through. He has... Uh, Michigan State has started the process of firing him for just cause. But Michael Penix Jr., look out for this man, folks. 473 yards, four touchdowns. He has been absolute phenomenal as a quarterback for the Huskies. Former quarterback of Indiana. Um, Look, Washington could really do everything this year. Brennan, I think you had them as... You had them making the Pac-12 championship, I believe. I think we both did, but mm-hmm. you had them. I'm not sure. Did you have them winning? I'm not I'll positive. Have to go back. So why don't and look? But listen, I'm starting to really become a believer in the Washington Huskies. Um, even really challenging USC, in my opinion, like that game is going to be an absolute barn burn because Michael Penix may be the best quarterback in the Pac-12 that could go one-on-one with Caleb Williams, and this team is. It's loaded, defense and offense. They may be the most complete team in the Pac-12. And Michael Penix deserves his flowers. Um, I know we're going to talk a lot about Shadur Sanders. Obviously, Caleb Williams, his bounce-back season. Excuse me. Um, Michael Penix deserves to be on that Heisman shortlist as much as any of those guys. So, yeah, definitely credit to the Washington Signal Caller. Are you still looking up the uh, Pac-12 predictions? Yeah, I got them pulled up here. Uh... Most surprising. Oh, most surprising. That's what you yeah. have. Well, sir, I believe you are correct because they look pretty good right now. Notre Dame. We'll be talking about this in the preview, but Hartman coming off his best performance against Central Michigan, 330 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Estime, the running back for Notre Dame, they have a nice one-two punch there. And if Ohio State's not careful, the Fighting Irish could absolutely knock them off. 41-17 over Central Michigan. Great job by the Irish. Alabama. Whew. We might have a quarterback little controversy here. So they bench they benched Jalen Milrow yep. after his performance against Texas, which he didn't necessarily play bad, but he didn't play up to the standards that I guess Nick Saban's used to at Alabama, right? So they bring in Tyler Buckner, who ironically was the Notre Dame transfer. He had, let's say, a not-so-great day, 5-14, 34 yards. And then Ty Simpson comes in, and he goes 5 for 9, 73 yards, um, the freshman from Tennessee. He's not anything spectacular, but at least he you know ran the offense efficiently, and he did enough for Alabama to get the win over the South Florida Bulls, USF, 17-3. But you got to think this... I never thought I'd say this, but Alabama just, to me, just doesn't even seem... 
even remotely close to challenging the top team in the SEC, which is the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's like I've been saying for the past two weeks now about them. I'm like, they just don't look the same. They don't look good. Maybe it's the talent. Maybe it's, I don't know. It's just not the Bama we're used to. No, not at all. And you got to sit there and think um, that eventually, you know, these these guys, because Alabama still is, you know, doing really well in the recruiting classes. Like Nick Saban's still there. Yeah. Again, maybe they don't have the same offensive brilliance that they've always had because they've kind of had guys kind of rotating out there. Maybe, maybe now they're maybe it's catching up to them. Yeah. I don't know. And I I never want to write off the greatest um greatest uh coach in the history of the sport, but kind of like with Bill Belichick, as you know, the times maybe gotten to Saban. People are starting to figure it out. I don't know. But um like we mentioned, the other biggest upset. Florida knocked off Tennessee 29-16. There was a little bit of a brawl after the game in which I think multiple players uh, were suspended. a stupid one, too. Yeah. Cl- so, for those of y'all not aware, yeah. QB goes to take a knee. Was he a lineman or something? Mm-hmm. Whoever it was was coming towards him. He sees him take a knee. He puts his hands up already because he's like, I can't stop. I'm not trying to hit him on purpose kind of thing. So, it's clearly seen. Mm-hmm. He hits the quarterback, knocks the quarterback down. And then Florida's... Which you, you kind of also, though, knowing that they're going to take a knee, why would you even put yourself in that Why position? is he running back there, though, and not just taking the knee immediately? Well, because he's trying to drain the clock, too. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> there, it's a kind of... It's a little bit of a gray area. Thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, when you're running, he doesn't know what you're going to do if you're going to try to do a drop back for a pass or what, right? Mm-hmm. So he's like, oh, maybe he's going to try to make a play. All right, I got to hit him. And then he sees the knees coming down, and he's like, oh, shit, I can't put brakes now. I'm a 300-pound guy. There's no slow... There's no immediate brakes. And I get that perspective, but anytime you hit our quarterback, especially in that situation, you're going to get, you know, retaliated against. Mm -hmm. It's just just the nature of the sport. As a QB, though, if you know you're going to take a knee, be smart. Don't start running out to the right. Maybe you're trying to make it. you're going... Maybe. Maybe. He was trying to make a play, maybe. Who knows? Maybe he went, oh, shit, I can't make this play now. Yeah, it's one of those things. But Florida was able to pull off the win. Trevor Etienne, Travis Etienne, the brother from Jacksonville, 23 carries, 172 yards, and a touchdown led the way for the Gators. He's a really talented player. Yep. <laughs> I was like, I got nothing else to say. Yeah, he's just he's, he's a really stud. talented. Yeah. Uh, Utah took care of business against Weber State, uh, 31-7. Uh, them, They, to me, so I don't think, yeah. So Cam Rising still hasn't come back. They are so well coached and so well just polished as an offense and as a program. Utah's a really big sleeper. They've won the Pac-12. The I know the last Utes two years. coming at them. It's, listen, they are... Anytime you see the Utah Utes on your schedule, ask USC. They are nothing to be trifled with. Yeah. And, yeah, the the Utes should be feared. I'll tell you one. I'll tell you what team that should be feared is Portland State, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> are they up next? Uh, no, but Portland State dropped 91 points to zero. Oh, you know... Against the- North America. <laughs> They did. <laughs> I just wanted to highlight that. That is an insane score. It is. Um, now, granted, what is it? Uh, North American, I don't think they're a part of the NCAA. No, by, they're not. They're not no, affiliated they're not. by any means. No. So. No, they're not. It's just Port- one of those games. Portland State, I'm pretty sure, is D2. Yeah. And um, speaking of Portland State, the team that crushed them, what was it, 81-7? to seven? Something like Oregon. That, yeah. um, they took care of business 55-10. to 10. Bo Nix. Again, it was against Hawaii, 247, three touchdowns. Um, Portland paid it forward. Here's the thing. We're going to talk about this whenever we get to the NFL topic, but I kind of also want to address it here because um, I just, again, want to reiterate it. I'm not the biggest fan of Bo Nix as a QB prospect in the NFL, nor am I biggest on Tua being an elite quarterback, like an elite, elite quarterback. 
you got to give credit where credit's due, even from my perspective. Bo Nix, he's done what he's been asked to this year. He's been a really, really effective uh, signal caller for Oregon, and he deserves his props, man. Now, we're going to get into this Pac-12 season where he, we're going to find out kind of what Oregon's really made of in Bo Nix, but up to this point, look, they've took care of business. They took care of business at Texas Tech, even though it was a little shaky, but um, I got to give credit. You know, Bo Nix has done well enough so far for Oregon to be 3-0. And we're so close for you getting a jersey of Bo Nix and having to wear it. Close. We're, if that even happens, which it's not, it's seven games away, but I, I wouldn't define that as close. It's close. I, you're just making stuff up now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, look, Bonex did a good job. It's against Hawaii. I don't, we'll get into the preview versus Colorado, but here in a second, but nope. yeah, did what he needed to do. Uh, LSU, they seem to find their footing 41 to 14 over Mississippi state. Jaden Daniels looked like the quarterback, um, that he was doubted to be, or touted to be, excuse me. I was like, doubted? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, Malik Neighbors, also, by the way, he's a sleeper kind of wide receiver prospect. 13 catches, 239 yards, two touchdowns. He's a stud, and he's somebody that later in the year, if LSU kind of, you know, regains back and makes their way to the SEC championship game, uh, Georgia, you may want to remember that guy's name because he gets open a lot. Um, we highlighted Kansas State. OU, so OU played Tulsa. Yep. OU 66-17 yep. with the victory. Dylan Gabriel, 28 for 31, 421 yards, five touchdowns, one interception. Yeah. No, again, against Tulsa. It's Tulsa. Yeah, they, they did what they were supposed to do. Yep. And um, we'll see. I mean, they're a team that, you know, we talked about Texas earlier. They could, I mean, again, Red River rivalry. Um, could they potentially knock off Texas? Absolutely. They could beat anybody in that conference, especially if Texas plays down to that competition. Yep. Um, oh, he's not to be trifled with. And Gabriel's, again, veteran signal caller from last year. A lot of respect. Most disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew. Yeah. Oregon State. Uh, DJ. I'm not even going to pronounce. We're just still not sure how to <laughs> pronounce his name. You I'm just going to call him DJ. Uh you know, he did enough against San Diego State, 26-9. to nine. No big storylines there other than, again, Oregon State has their quarterback. They are a factor in the Pac-12 as well. Ole Miss, 48-3. to three. Uh, Yeah, Jackson Dart did enough. Lane Kiffin. Uh, I, I don't trust this Ole Miss team completely, but they're 3-0, so you got to give them respect. Respect's due. Colorado, Colorado State. Okay, so this one we'll get into a little bit. A little? A little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. So the Buffs ended up taking care of business after a very thrilling uh, overtime in which they won 43-35. to 35. Double overtime, sir. Uh, double overtime, excuse me. It wasn't overtime, but still. <laughs> uh, look, Colorado State brought their A game. They've obviously, look, and I, we'll get into kind of how we feel about Colorado. The thing is, right, Dion just, every game, it's it's a personal, you know, beef with somebody and again, to be fair, to Colorado be fair, State brought this one up. They did. And again, a lot Dion of Dion didn't do anything for this one. I know. I know. And Dion was right. I love the bit with the shades, oh. like bringing them out. Uh, they made, I think, like first day, it was like over 60,000 in sales or something like that. Or, yeah. He's at 4.5 million in sales yeah. for his sunglasses. Yeah. It's 70,000 units or something crazy. Oh, 70,000 units. Okay. Yeah. So that's, I mixed up the numbers. Okay. Yeah. 70,000 units. Um, Yeah. Look. They were dominant. Shadur, again, proving why he's arguably the Heisman frontrunner. 38 of 47, 348 yards, four touchdowns, one pick. Uh, the play, though, that everyone was really talking about was Travis Hunter, who took a very late hit. 
I'm not going to even mention the guy's name because he has been receiving death threats and everything in between. Yeah, his family's getting attacked and everything. And we obviously are good time sports. Also, don't condone death threats or anything like that. Nope. Malicious. Uh, should he have been thrown out? 100%. Yes. I, should he be suspended? I yeah, agree. He he should miss some games. Yeah. 100% because that was a super late hit. But yeah. you don't, there's no need for death threats and, to people. Even Deion Sanders yeah. and came out and he's like, dude, I forgive that kid. It's like, it's football. Things happen, right? You go out, you're trying to send a message. Well, when you go to send a message, people can get hurt. And yep. you need to suffer the consequences for when you're trying to do something stupid. 100%. End of story. And, and suffer the consequences as in in the game. Yeah, not post-game or outside the field. Play. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Hunter su- suffered a lacerated liver. Yep. Uh, he's going to be missing the next three games, which for Colorado are big ones. They've they got, got Oregon, Oregon USC... USC. And uh, who's the? Th- I, don't I don't know the third. I only saw those uh, two. Arizona like, State. Yes. That's what it was. So, which again, Arizona State. Jaden Rashada, pretty solid QB option there. Another one in the Pac-12. Shocker. Colorado can pull it off without Hunter. That that remains Colo- to be seen. Yeah, Colorado I, at that point will solidify them 100. percent 100. They need to keep oh, being 100%. talked about. Yeah, and Shadur Sanders will be just talked about even more, and Dion will be just insane. Interesting note here. So Colorado's now reached three wins on the season. Do you know what their over-under projected was? What? It's like three and a half. Three and a half. Jeez. Three and a half. And they're about to hit that already. Could you imagine if you bet the over? (laughs) (laughs) You are feeling great, right? You probably bought some of those sunglasses, man. Oh, Jesus. But, you know, look, Colorado State, you know, the interesting handshake at the end and everything. Dion, here's what I'll say. And I get it that a lot of people are not happy with the amount of detention Dion's getting. Listen, Dion is who he is. He's not unapologetic about it. He thrives in that attention. Yeah, and he's will, and so far he's backed it up, yep. which you have to commend him for. Um, and listen, he to his credit also came out in a presser today defending the Colorado State player. Yep, that's um, why I said he forgave him and everything. Yeah, he's so like, it's, it's it's something that if you're not a fan of Dion, to me it's just that might be just some other personal reason that you just don't like him for whatever reason. He overall is a good guy. I think so too. Because if you go back, he had a like a sports camp he was doing too, yeah. and he'd paid out of his own pocket for buses to go pick up kids yeah. to bring them there, yeah. and he like paid for other kids' colleges and stuff. Like he's done. He's so uses connections to help yes. the kids out at Jackson State at Colorado. Uh huh. He's taken guys like Travis Hunter under his wing. He's he's pr- made promises to family members that I'm turning your young boys into men. Yep. He, as he says, he's like, you can make fun of me. You can call me all sorts of names. He's like, you don't call any of my babies anything, and you don't call my right. mama anything. He's like, that's when there's an issue. Yeah. So, look, I, I'm it's a f- very admirable. Yeah, and he, it's the best story going on in college football right yeah. now, which is why it's getting so much attention because no one expected this level of success this quickly. And again, Dion said, "Do you believe now? We're believers in terms of they can compete with anybody. No question about it." Yep. Um, and they're going to keep continuing to talk about because, listen, I don't care if you talk. Personally, it's better for the sport if we have people that are not afraid to kind of put some stuff out there. Yeah. And like you said, Colorado State, they said some stuff too. And now they're going up against Oregon, which we'll preview in a second, which, you know, the head coach, uh, Dan Lanning, said, you know, what have they ever won? So you don't think Dion's going to use that motivation? It's, like, it's I interesting. I just don't get why people got to open their mouths. It's bad things have happened when you open your mouth. Yeah, it's just not great. Um, anything else you want to add on before we kind of touch the rest of the top twenty-five games? No, I mean that really. I, the Colorado is the biggest one that we're yeah. going to really touch on. Um, North Carolina took care of business against Minnesota. Here's the thing: Drake May had his best game of the season, and he still had two interceptions. 
He matches his total from last year in multi-interception games with two through three games. Listen, I'm not here trying to say May's not him or any of this stuff. Just keep your eye on Drake May. I know he was your ACC player of the year. He's obviously predicted to be the second quarterback taken after Caleb Williams. He has not had the best start ever since, you know, Josh Downs then got drafted to the NFL and Tez Walker uh, was disallowed uh, admission to this college football season. I just, listen, May's still really talented and North Carolina's 3-0. Definitely keep your eye out on the Tar Heels and Drake May this season. That's all I'm going to say. Riley Leonard and Duke took care of business 38-14. Leonard, to me, it, Mel Kuyper had him as a top three quarterback prospect in next year's draft class. He reminds me of a very, very raw Josh Allen coming out of Wyoming. Very tall, can make plays with his legs, big arm, but he's not as refined as, obviously, no, I'm not saying Josh Allen now. I'm saying coming out of Wyoming. No, I, yeah. I heard, I had to think for a minute. I was like, how, do, how did Josh Allen back in college? Oh, well, Josh Allen coming out of the NFL, his first two years was completing barely 50% of his passes. And mm-hmm. if Riley Leonard gets drafted, I would expect him to be around that same mark. So, but he's he's raw. He's got athletic traits. So obviously people are going to talk about him. Uh, Washington State took care of business against North Colorado. Uh, yeah, Ward, 327 yards, four touchdowns. Again, another Pac 12 guy. Dante Moore, the freshman number one quarterback in the nation, uh, committed to UCLA. He's officially won the starting job, and UCLA is now in play, 59-7, or they're over North Carolina Central. And then rounding out uh, the top 25, Iowa knocks off Western Michigan 41-10. to uh, Yeah, Iowa's, I think, going to be fine. They finally have a quarterback now that can execute the offense. Whew, that was a lot of great games. Now, here's the thing. If you thought those games were great, wait until you hear the games that are coming up. Oh my goodness, do we have some games this upcoming weekend. Brennan, what is your favorite game that's coming up? Because we have six ranked-on-ranked matchups. Which one's um, your favorite? Like I said earlier, we talked about Colorado-Oregon. I like that matchup. It'll be a fun one to watch. Just again, you Dion want, and all the talking. Uh, I was about to say, do you want to get into it a little bit? Because I got some thoughts on it. Yeah, let's just let's go ahead and get okay. into it as we go along. We'll do okay. that. All right. So Colorado, Oregon, nineteen. Colorado travels to Eugene uh, to take on number ten, Oregon. Here's what I'll say. Okay, Bo Nix in Oregon. While I'm not the biggest supporter of Bo Nix, I do think he can execute an offense at a relatively high level here on the college football end. And Oregon's offensive line has allowed some of the fewest sack rate in college football. Uh, Bucky Irving is a really solid running back for Knicks, and I think their defense is, while I don't think it's quite the level of Washington's, it's still one of the better ones in the Pac-12. And you're asking Colorado, who just lost Travis Hunter, you know, Shadur Sanders, again, he's been an absolute baller. This is his best defense he's about to go up against right here. Yep. Not It wasn't TCU, it wasn't Colorado State, it is Oregon. Maybe so he'll make number one on Dion's favorite kids list. I'm just saying, <laughs> maybe. Um, So we're... So we're going to find out a lot about Shadur Sanders yeah. here, and we're about to find out a lot about Colorado. I just think it's a lot to ask of a Colorado team that arguably lost their best overall potential player in Travis Hunter uh-huh. to go into Eugene and potentially knock off Bo Nix. Uh, if they do, my goodness. My goodness. Oh, yeah. We're coming in here and... Listen, we're talking. We might about, be wearing some prime sunglasses. I'm about to, I'm about to say. <laughs> I'm about to say we might have to do a little Photoshop action and. Then, Oh, my God, for a thumbnail. Yeah, I would probably... Let me check the line here real quick. I'm, I'm almost positive the line has come out by now. Uh, it should be. 
Let's see, scrolling down here. Yeah, Oregon is favored minus 21. So it's just Vegas doesn't quite see Colorado competing with some of these top-level Pac-12 teams. And while, like I said, I'd love it if they if Colorado made this a game, I think Oregon's going to shut down the run game, which for Colorado hasn't been great so far this season anyway. And they're going to ask Shador to basically make every play, and that's just a recipe for disaster when you're going up against a team like Oregon. Okay. Uh, Alabama Ole Miss. Okay. So that one we can get into. This is a sneaky one. This is. Based on Alabama, we're not sure who they're... I don't think they've named a starter at quarterback yet. Yeah, I don't... I could see Ole Miss winning this one, honestly, with how Bama's been playing recently. I trust Jackson Dart, Lane Kiffin. Um, They came out to a slow start versus uh, Tulane, I think a couple weeks ago. Yep. If they come out to a slow start like that, Alabama can get ahead, and then they can just lean on them. But if Ole Miss and Jackson Dart maybe comes out, hits a few big chunk plays, start the game, gets up maybe two scores, yeah, you could absolutely see the Rebels potentially knocking off Alabama Tuscaloosa. Yep. And then that storyline is, uh, yeah, what's going on in Tuscaloosa? Bama's washed. <laughs> uh, it might be, man. Um, UCLA? U- Utah, yep. yeah. Dante Moore, Chip Kelly come into Utah. Uh, not sure if Cam Rising is going to play in this one. They haven't announced it yet. This is one, though, where if Cam is healthy or even close to healthy, I feel like you got to play him because UCLA, it's, again, a puncher's chance, kind of similar to what Colorado has against Oregon. Yeah. But UCLA, again, with Chip Kelly, this regime, they trust them offensively. And, um, look, I I think think, uh, I'll still probably pick Utah just because I think they're the more complete team. But it may come down, like I said, to Cam Rising, whether or not he plays. Um, because if not, Dante Moore could very well be the best quarterback on the field regardless. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, wouldn't be surprised if UCLA pulls off that upset. How about the State's game? Oregon State, Washington State. That's another good one. Both 3-0. and uh, Both kind of sleeper candidates. Uh, Washington State's been re- really reliant on uh, Cameron Ward, who we just kind of briefly highlighted. Yep. To me, though, DJ, while he does have a tendency to kind of be somewhat erratic, um, Oregon State last year had probably the best team that didn't have a quarterback, and now they get DJ Ugalele. I think especially this isn't this is at uh, Oregon State, correct? Uh, Where was it? Sorry, I'm I'm blank. Where's Pull- this? Good? Oh, it's out of Washington. Washington. Okay. So it's in Pullman. Um, yep. I do think that gives them a slight bit of maybe crowd if they can kind of keep it close or something. Uh, I don't know. I still kind of like Oregon State in this matchup. And again, I know I'm leaning all favorites. To me, Oregon State's just a better team. They could. They are a team that's like a sneaky dark horse. They were, I think, my Pac-12 dark horse um, at the beginning of the year. They could 100% be a um, a team that goes on a little bit of a run here. Yeah, and then we got Iowa versus Penn State. <clears throat> that one, so listen, Iowa, I respect where you are as a program. I respect the moves you made. And their head coach came out and was very defiant in that press conference, did you see that? I, didn't, I don't think I did. He, they, he basically told, I don't know if it was a direct media member or was media in, uh, in general. Basically, he told them that, you know, listen, we put up 41 points, basically climb out of my ass. Damn. Yeah, for all the crap that uh, they've been given Iowa, I guess. So, Damn. Um, that might come back to bite them this week. Yeah, it could. <laughs> I think Penn State wins this one. I think they're the better complete team. And... Well, Iowa could potentially make it close because they're well coached. 
I think Penn State kind of pulls away and wins pretty comfortably here. Before we touch on one of the bigger ones, yep. uh, USC, Arizona State. Jaden Rashada is going to put on a show. Um, they do not have the athletes that USC does. And USC, Caleb Williams, I expect another just showtime performance. Texas is playing Baylor. Baylor's just going to Baylor it. So Yeah, I just don't have a lot of faith in Baylor, and I think this could be a get-back game for Texas. Yep. And Georgia takes care of UAB. Oh, Arkansas, LSU. LSU. Uh, yeah, I just I, I think LSU kind of they refigured themselves. If this was potentially Week One, I mean, like I said, Brian Kelly didn't get off to the greatest start, but I think now LSU realizes like we have to win out if we want to have any chance at a serious bowl game. Yep. Um, and I think they take care of business at home. All right, now we can touch on it. Ohio State, Notre Dame. I'm rolling with the Fighting Irish. Really? I'm rolling with the Fighting Irish. This, to me, especially the fact that it's in South Bend, Sam Hartman is the real deal. He is a legit college quarterback. I don't know what he translates long-term, but for what Notre Dame needs, he is exactly what they need. And I told you really from the start, I've not liked this Ohio State team. I don't think Kyle McCord is as great as Ohio State trying to make him look. Well, yes, they do have Travion Henderson, Marvin Harrison Jr. They have guys talented. I think Notre Dame, along with Estime Jr., or Estime, Sam Hartman, uh, Marcus Freeman leading the way at home, I think Notre Dame is the better football team as we stand here today, and I expect the Fighting Irish to take care of business. I wouldn't be surprised if McCord has a couple of turnovers for the Buckeyes. Dang. And um, I'm rolling with the Fighting Irish in this one. They're my big upset of the week. Let me just double-check the spread here um, really quickly. It is Ohio State is favored as a three-point road favorite, so not a huge margin. Um, And look, if McCord plays like he did this past week uh, for Ohio State, 100% they could win this game. But I think walking in here and sitting where we're sitting at today, I've never been the biggest fan of the Irish as a program, but they've got a quarterback now that can definitely lead the way. I'm rolling with Sam Hartman, the Fighting Irish. There you go. Uh, kind of last little storyline before we move on over to the NFL. Uh, Missouri fans booing their own quarterback. Yeah, that was not a good look. When the head coach has to come out and is pissed off at your own fans for booing the starting QB, that's a problem. It's a very big problem. Hopefully they'll figure it out. They will. Uh, it's Missouri, I, they, their fans are not known as you know that bad, but that was not a good look. No. So. I was like, normally I don't really think of like Missouri as disgruntled fans <laughs> to begin with. Right. There's a couple others that come to my mind, but not Missouri. Not Missouri. Yeah, let's take it over to the big league, shall we? NFL. All right. Let's go in chronological order like we did with uh, college football. We'll start off Thursday night where... Brendan's Minnesota Vikings just came up short against the Philadelphia Eagles, 34 to 28. Personally, I thought there was a little bit of growth considering last year when you played the Eagles, ironically, um, week two on primetime, which is kind of weird. The NFL did that again. Kirk Cousins looked pretty good, man. 364 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, The offensive attack uh, really looked nice. I mean, obviously, Justin Jefferson is him. Yep. you TJ Hawkinson TJ Hawkinson yeah two well, I, well I want to give you credit on something um Alexander Madison, Madison. Oh, dude. did not kept, have a good game I kept saying he is not our future running back now I will say this Philadelphia's front four is arguably the best front four in football still 
just did not have a great game. I think he had a fumble in this game. Just yep. not a great yards per carry. Just didn't look explosive. I, I know my team, and my yeah. team does not do well with the run game right now. We don't do well with our offensive line, and we don't do well with our defense. Yeah, and I know Madison's still going to be a factor because of his work in the passing game and everything, but this is something that the Vikings are going to look to address in the offseason more yep. likely than and, another. And what did I say when we had the draft coming up? What did I want? Running back. I wanted a running back. You did. You did. But you got Jordan Addison, who, by the way... It's looking like the best wide receiver in the draft class. Who would have called that? Oh, wait, that's me. Yep. Ugh, I mean, I'll take that too, but I mean, I know. a late round running back would have been nice. Either. It would have been. And you could find him too. Yeah. Uh, um, they went pretty late. Yeah. It's, yeah. We'll, we'll see. I think the Vikings are going to do some some addressing some stuff. But, uh, yeah, the Eagles took care of business. To me, it's still, the Eagles, as good as they are, and they are 2-0, and their passing defense is alarming i know they still have darius slay i think they still have james bradbury there yep um they to me look like they have some holes they were interested in buddha baker before buddha baker was put on ir for the cardinals yep um the eagles are not a complete team yet and in nope. terms of again we talk about the top teams of the nfc i have dallas and san francisco ahead of them in kind of the nfc hierarchy and i think they're just in, those two or teams are in a tier by themselves with the Eagles maybe like slightly below them and then kind of figure everybody else out below uh, the Eagles. I don't know. I'm still giving Dak a chance to Dak. I Dude, here's the thing. I don't think Dak will need to Dak because the, that defense is the best defense in football. I know, but I still think okay. Dak's going to throw some interceptions that are going to cost the game. And You're not wrong in terms of that could happen, but up to this point, we haven't seen it. So sure. uh, moving on into the Sunday games, uh, the Atlanta Falcons come away with a 25-24 to win over the Green Bay Packers. They were my pick to win the NFC South. Uh, Ritter, listen, he doesn't look amazing, but he looks like enough. For he what got the job done. Exactly. Uh, 19 to 32, 237, touchdown and pick. Like, he's not going to blow anybody away this year. Uh, Jordan Love looked efficient, 14 to 25, 151 yards, three touchdowns. Yep. Um, Bijan, though, 19 carries, 124 yards. That man puts the team on his back. Drake London had a bounce back game, six for 67 and a touchdown. Um, look, the Falcons, Arthur Smith, he may not use his passing weapons, but he doesn't need to because he just knows how to win football games. Yep. He won seven last year with. Marcus Mariota. So that's all you need to tell me as a <laughs> as a fan. Um, Buffalo bounces back in a big way, thirty eight to ten over the Raiders. Josh Allen three touchdowns, thirty one to thirty seven. He heard all the noise and came back with a vengeance. This one. I, I just love how I sent Colin this video the other night. Josh Allen, I got to play smarter, and then he literally shows him trying to hurdle someone, which was the one kind of arguably somewhat boneheaded decision he made all day. I know, but this still, man does not look out for his long term career. He's he's still got a little bit of that haywire gene. Uh, um, I just remember, I love it, but at the same time, right. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's about to get hurt. It, the thing that you know, it remind every time Josh Allen does a play like that, you know what it reminds me of. His first playoff game against the Houston Texans when he tried to lateral a ball behind his head, not looking. You remember that play? He literally took it two hands and just tried to lateral it back. It was like during the second quarter or something Jeez. like that. He's He's got a little bit of haywire in him. But, you know, he's still obviously one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league. Um, he's a one-man wrecking crew. But he's not asked to run the ball so much because they got James freaking Cook. 17 for 123. They, they have a running back now. And he can yeah. catch passes, too. And James Cook last year was looking real rough, and he's well, really fine-tuned it this well, year. Well, I think he's a rookie. I'm pretty yeah. sure. He played last year. Was he not? Oh, yeah. He, he played last year. He didn't play a lot then. because he, he was backup. He was very much backup. And yeah, he did not look good third. last okay. year. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So I, I was confused. I thought he was maybe a rookie. But, yeah. yeah. No. Second-year player. Uh, Yeah. 
Gabe Davis, six catches for 92 yards and a touchdown. Stephon Diggs added seven for 66. This just to me was, okay, we got embarrassed on national TV. While I have my questions about Doug McDermott as a head coach, I trust him more than McDaniels, and I trust obviously Josh Allen more than Jimmy Garoppolo, who was not great this yep. day. Um, yeah, it's... The Raiders are really in a bad spot. <laughs> like, they are so... They've been in a bad spot. I know, and they... I, I know I gave that statistic, but just to remind folks, uh, I think it's the last, like, 20 years they haven't had a top 19 defense. Damn. Did you... Last 20 years, I believe, or it was, like, maybe the last 17 years or something. It was roughly around 20 years. They haven't had a top 19 defense. It's, like, the mid-2000s. That's insane. Yeah, so they got some work to do in Las Vegas. Uh, moving on down here, the Ravens win 27 to 24 but that was not the biggest storyline of the game as joe burrow re-aggravated his calf injury he is potentially gonna mitch miss excuse me monday night's matchup against the rams yep i picked the Bengals to win this division ultimately just trusting in burrow being the best qb in that division and i probably should have taken his uh his injury more seriously because as of this point he has not looked the part uh the offense has been out of sync T. Higgins had a bounce-back game, 8 for 89, two touchdowns. Um, but again, Burrow just not looking like himself has really kind of hindered everybody on this offense. And I'm wondering if it's because he's maybe been hurt but hadn't really been wanting to say he's been hurt or what's been going on. I, maybe. And maybe he's just trying to tough it out. And finally, after being 0-2, he's just like, you know what, I'm, I need to say this one out, like yeah. my long-term health and everything. He got his money, and you know he needs to start looking at that stuff. Yep. Um, what I'll say this. Like I said, may potentially miss the game versus the Rams, who are very frisky. Yep. Um, if they lose and they go down 0-3. Not good. What would you say your confidence level for them making the playoffs is if they go down 0-3? Uh, very slim. Because that's going to be a hard mountain to climb back yeah. from. I make my predictions at the beginning of the year, and normally I like to try to ride them out as much as I can, but I'm starting to lean more that the Ravens kind of have everything figured out. Mm -hmm. I wasn't necessarily high on them because I wasn't sure how they would look in this new offense. Uh, Lamar has looked very admirable. 24-33, two touchdowns. He also added 54 yards on the ground. Listen, they imagine, <laughs> imagine if NFL teams would listen to Twitter. Maybe not as often as they should, but like people have been saying for a while, just get Lamar some weapons, see what he can do. And they have given him weapons. Yep. And look what he's doing. Yep. I just, it's... You know, look, it, the Ravens' ceiling, because they have Lamar, is excruciatingly high. Uh, we'll wait and see. But either way, they've taken care of business so far in the first two games. And credit to them. They, more than likely, especially with Burrow's injury, are probably going to win this division. Yeah. So. Well, let's get in at your team. Oh. Overtime victory. Let's go, baby. Victory Tuesday, because we're recording this on a Tuesday. Um, here's what I'll say. So I was definitely very down on the Seahawks after last week's game. Shocker, week one, a little overreaction, um, safe, to, safe to say. Uh, the Rams are better than I thought, and the Seahawks are obviously better than I thought as well. They took care of business. They won in overtime, 37-31. to 31. Tyler Lockett coming up clutch in overtime. Uh, freaking love that dude, man. Um, here's what I'll say. Seattle, I still don't think they're at the level of San Francisco. That's just, I still believe that. And I did pick them to win, be second in their division this year, to me, this was a bounce-back game in terms of they got their offense rolling. They obviously had more than 10 yards in the second half, which is mm -hmm. always good. Um, Gino looked 32-41, two touchdowns. He had the weird play. I, I don't know if you were watching the game. 
He had this play late in the fourth quarter where the Seahawks were winning, and it was like a third down, and he took a massive sack that really puts the Seahawks in a tough position. That could have really given Detroit potentially the win. Um, ultimately, Seattle was able to rally and you know overcome that. But Geno, at times, his decision-making can be interesting, I'll say. Um, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to clown Geno because, again, he won the game. He had a really good game. He didn't make any major mistakes. But it's just one of those things where I sit there as a fan and look, Gino's our guy. He's my franchise quarterback, but also I can be similar to Brennan in terms of like, hey, if you make some dumb plays, I'm going to hold you accountable to it. I'm not going to be blind faith like uh, some people on this podcast. So, yeah, it was interesting. Look, Kenneth Walker at two touchdowns. Some people is not me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you didn't get that sarcasm, it was not somebody in this room currently. Um, Uh, Everyone knows I'm a critic of Kirk. Yeah. To me, this ha- this was the same game last year in terms of a high-scoring matchup between these two teams. Seattle, listen, they'll be competitive. They'll be fine. Again, just the Rams are better than I thought, so I, you know, trying to retract a little bit. But Gino, listen, two games in a row now where he's kind of had some questionable stuff, especially late down the stretch. Yup. I uh, I'm gonna keep an eye out for it. But like like I said, I'm happy. It's week. It's a first victory of the season. We'll take it. Um, yeah, one and one. How about the next overtime game? Chargers and Titans. So this one I want to get into. So, listen, the Titans win this game uh, with Tannehill going 20-24, 246 in the touchdown. Uh, The Chargers, here's the thing, right? So they lose the game. Herbert, 27-41, 305, two touchdowns. Didn't have a bad game. The best, and I'm not going to take credit for the statement because I heard it somewhere. The best way to describe Herbert, right? Because we have talked about how we need to be more critical of Herbert, the fact that it's not just Brandon Staley, who is on the biggest hot seat in the NFL right now. I don't think anybody argues. The thing that I'll say about Herbert is he's not the problem, but he's being paid to be the solution, and he has not been the solution up to this point. Herbert and the Chargers are now 0-2. They are, spoiler alert, they're taking on the Vikings in Week 3. In a matchup that, again, we talked about how uh, terrorizing it is for the Bengals to be potentially down 0-3. If either one of those teams lose, you would think that their season's in very big peril. Um, and for Herbert, listen, you're getting paid now. Well, with Mahomes restructuring his contract and Burrow getting paid, I think he, at worst, is the third highest paid quarterback in the league. You have to get that win. I, I don't care it's on the road. I don't care that, you know, you had yourself a good game. You just need to be able to make the plays down the stretch to order to pull that one out and prove that you're that guy. He, we've only seen him in one playoff game that he lost, blowing a major lead. And in this one, you know, the Chargers, they, again, had to have some heroics just to even get into overtime. And then, again, the Titans were able to do enough to win it. And you could say that Brandon Staley, and again, Brandon Staley, I would still say is the biggest problem in this organization. But Herbert, you've you've got to get it done, man. I don't care what it takes. I know you've got a rocket arm. Kellen Moore, he's calling good plays. You know, Keenan Allen's still proven that he's still got a lot of juice left in the tank. I just, um, look, man, I, Herbert, to me, you are not the problem, but you are being paid to be the solution. And if you don't win against the Vikings this upcoming weekend, listen, we're going to have to start looking at Justin Herbert and just being like, hey, listen, you can put up a lot of great stats, but we need to start producing some W's. Because he's around a 500 quarterback, I think, for his career. Yep. So... It's, yeah, just very frustrating if you're a Chargers fan, I can only imagine. Hey, you know what fans are also frustrated? The Bears, the failed 
Justin Fields experiment. At this point, yeah. It's he, it's call it quits. Yeah. I mean And apparently Baker Mayfield is phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> so here, so here's what I'll say about this. Um Rashad White also had a really good game on the ground. Baker Mayfield, he's a gamer, man. And he did well against the Vikings, enough for them to get the win, and they did well enough against Chicago. To me, I'm still kind of holding out reservations on the Bucks team because again, they've beaten the hapless Bears and then the Vikings who just Kirk just kind of messed up in crunch time there. But Baker will at least give you a competitive chance. We all 26 for 34, 317 yards. Yeah, touchdown. One touchdown. Yeah, no, very solid production. And yeah. he ultimately, again, kind of was like what I was saying with Justin Herbert. Baker Mayfield made the plays in order to win this game. Yep. And um, look, it's just he'll get up for it. I'm very interested to see how he looks against the Eagles' pass defense. That's not great. Now, again, that rush, you know, yeah. is going to give him some problems. But Baker's we'll, also a mobile quarterback, though, too. Eh, he's. He's not as mobile, but he's, he's mobile-ish. Yeah, he's he he'll, run. he'll run. He'll run. Kirk not, won't. <laughs> yeah, not not well. But um, getting back to Justin Fields. So at this point, right, he's five Dude. and twenty-two as a starter. He's sixteen and twenty-nine. I'll I'll say this. You know the Bears got him DJ Moore right in the offseason. They got him a weapon. Can someone please tell me what Matt Eberflus's role is as head coach? Like, what impact he's having on the team? Because the defense isn't doing anything. Nope. He, to me, this from the jump is Chicago's mismanagement of a guy that, again, was not a perfect prospect. There's a reason he fell away to them at, I want to say, 11th in the draft. Like, Fields needs some development. And yes, they did credit credit to them. They got DJ Moore, but Chase Claypool, you know, he's had some issues with lack of effort. Um, Cole Komet, I mean, yeah, he's like a solid tight end, but nothing to write home about. Khalil Herbert's not a stud running back. Like, and their offensive line's a work in progress. Fields needs work, and he's obviously maybe even regressed a little bit as a passer. He missed, like, a wide-open touchdown. I think that was going viral all over Twitter. That was getting highlighted yep. and everything. What I'll say is, is that Chicago has this kind of philosophy, right, of being so defensive-minded in their culture. You know, the 85 Bears, you know, Walter Payton running the quarterback. Like, this guy has the potential to be the best quarterback in the franchise's history. And this is one of the oldest franchise history, franchises in the NFL. They have not done right by Justin Fields, in my opinion, in order to surround him with a culture and a staff that is built on getting the best out of Justin Fields, which ultimately in today's NFL, the quarterback position being the most valuable, mm-hmm. you absolutely have to do. The Chargers are realizing it now with Brandon Staley, Maybe the Bills will realize it with Sean McDermott. But in this day and age, defensive guys, unless you're like a Mike Tomlin, a Bill Belichick, that you just have that built-in respect, Pete Carroll to a certain degree, that you better make sure you hit on these defensive guys because if they're not and they're not elevating your quarterback or if you don't have an OC that compliments them and that they're well compensated, you're going to have issues like this with Justin Fields. And I think the last Bears win was like October October, 28th of last year. Yeah, mid-October. Yeah. And the thing is, is like, again, super fans like, Big Cat and everything, they're already claiming that this field's era is over. And it's just like, if they would have taken the time and due diligence, DJ Moore is not enough to just swing a quarterback trajectory. No. I understand that he's a very, very capable option and even maybe a low-end number one receiver. He's not enough to just transform Justin Fields into this amazing quarterback. It takes coaching. It takes offensive line development, a yep. sustainable running game. Yep. You know, it's like, look at this, 7-35 for Khalil Herbert. You know, Roshan Johnson came in there, had some decent runs, but... Now they're asking Fields to not run so much because they want to develop him as a passer, and you're taking away one of his biggest strengths. Yep. And, I again, Getze also got blasted on uh, 
or not Getsy, whatever the uh, OC for the Bears name is. He got blasted for calling like a couple screenplays in a row that really affected the Bears' driving momentum. I'm not saying that Justin Fields is absolved of uh, blame here because he clearly has not lived up to the expectations that the Bears had for him. But I will also say the environment in Chicago is not conducive to winning successful quarterback play. Yeah. So it's DJ Moore is like the one. It's like, oh, we got you, DJ. Okay. <laughs> and like, well, who else? Like Cole Komet, again, tight ends. Okay. Chase Claypool, if he's not getting targeted, he's slow walking out there. Yep. You know, where's Darnell Mooney, by the way? <laughs> like, it's it's just one of those frustrating things. And now they're about to go up against the Chiefs this upcoming weekend. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be rough because they're just they're not there at that point. Well, speaking of the Chiefs. Right. <laughs> good segue. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, Patrick Mahomes did what he needed to do. 29-41, two touchdowns, one pick. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco saw it on the ground. Sky Moore had the one touchdown. And so did Travis Kelsey in his game back. Chris Jones, who needs training camp? He looked dominant in his kind of limited snaps that he had. Uh, Jaguars, here's the thing. This, to me, was more of a story about the Chiefs' defense than it was the Jaguars' offense. Yep. Um, the Chiefs have maybe have given Patrick Mahomes the best defense he's ever had. And that's scary. If you listen to, like, all the, like, major NFL talking head points, what have they been saying about the Chiefs? Like, what's their main concern? You know what it is, Brendan? What? They're passing attack. No. I'm willing to bet that that's going to be fine. I think with Patrick Mahomes what? and Andy Reid at the helm, I'm going to, and Travis Kelsey still being there now healthy, I think the Chiefs are going to figure it out. No. The, the, the guys are saying, oh, well, we're worried about the receiving core. Well, outside of like Juju Smith Schuster and <laughs> McCole Hardman, who, by the way, their teams that they're now currently on are missing them too. Yep. So much that the Chiefs are. Uh, I think the Chiefs are going to be fine. I really think they are. And I think my I picked them to win the Super Bowl before the, you know, season started. And I'm still, you know At least he didn't say they'd go undefeated. No. Unlike some people. <laughs> yes. And getting a tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nick Wright did not have the uh greatest now listen, if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, he can still salvage it be like, Yeah, whatever. <sighs> it's not he, salvage. Well, he, he did, said undefeated. Well, he did, but he didn't he didn't tattoo undefeated is what I'm saying. True. He, he could still point to it and be like, never doubt they won the Super Bowl. Like yeah. That could be he one. could try to spin it. Yeah, exactly that way. But no, that clip's online forever. Yeah, um, He knows it too. 100%. But look, I think the Chiefs, this this might be the most complete team Patrick Mahomes has had. Look out the rest of the NFL. Yep. So <laughs> Trevor Lawrence, I, I'll, expect, I'll expect him to bounce back. I think this was just a really good defense on um, a day that Jacksonville wasn't expecting it. And yeah, they'll be fine. Yep. Colts. Houston, Anthony Richards got hurt, went yeah. out, and yeah. the man, the myth, the legend, Minshew Mania, came out to play <laughs> 19 knew. for 23, 171 yards and a touchdown. Say your line. This man deserves a starting role somewhere. Thank you. I will continue to ride this train, and this helps me prove it more. Okay, so you're not saying he deserves to start over Anthony Richardson for the record? No. Okay, but you, do, you think he does deserve a starting job? A hundred percent. Okay, because he definitely balled out. And here's the thing. Hey, Hang on real quick. Hey, Chicago, I think I found you a guy. Dude, I really... It, that'd be so depressing if I'm a Bears fan that you go from Justin Fields, <laughs> who was like all his future, to now taking a flyer on Minshew. With all due respect to Minshew. Hey, but. how dare you? Unless Minshew it, mania is listen, where it's at. I, clearly, because it's... here's You know what else I'll say? Shane Steichen might be one of the most underrated offensive minds in the game right now. 
What he did with, what he did with Jalen Hurts last year, what he's done already with Anthony Richardson, who's come out the gates firing. Yep. Um, when most people viewed him as a project. And then again, I'm not gonna give him full credit, but he definitely helped Gardner Minshew out a little bit. <laughs> a little bit on top. <laughs> give him a little. Give, give him a little. All right. <laughs> um, Zach Moss, who was known as uh, Fat Moss at one time. Yep. 18 carries for 88 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Michael Pittman's rejuvenated. Like, this offense for Indy is going to keep them in games for throughout the rest of the season. Um, and it's mainly because of Shane Steichen. Now, Richardson, listen, you need to take care of yourself. This isn't college. This is the pros. You will get lit up if you're not you know, yeah. being taken care of, yep. which happened on his second touchdown run where he got a little lackadaisical and then he got hit as he was getting into the end zone. Look, he'll learn that, his rookie and stuff, but we just hope for his sake that he, you know, takes care of his um, head injuries and stuff and gets back out on the field because he's an absolute dynamite to watch. So C.J. Stroud, I want to say this because their loss overshadowed it. He currently has more passing yards yep. than Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. I think there was one other a higher completion percentage okay, than Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence and more completions than Justin Herbert and Tua. Now, what I will say and a higher passer rating okay. still going <laughs> than Matt, Matthew Stanford and Daniel Jones. Yeah, I mean, OK. And then most past attempts without an interception by player this season so far. Here's what I'll say. Stroud has looked better than I thought he would coming he, out. Yep. hundred percent. What I will say is Houston's going to be in a lot of negative game scripts, so they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. So some of those stats are a little skewed, which is okay. Listen, he's doing what he's supposed to do, and he did it also with a very injured offensive line. I think Titus Howard, yes. um, Laramie Tunsil, yep. there's a couple other guys that I'm mi- missing that are injured on Excuse me, the Texans' offensive line. The thing that really strikes me most about this team, and again, credit to Houston's offense, they they seem very functional at this point. Yeah. Um, the D'Amico Ryans their new head coach, has got them playing very competitive, inspired football. And that's the thing what I say about defensive coaches. While I don't necessarily agree that defensive coaches are the better hire, if you get one that can players can buy into. Yeah. And that they can... Make that culture around yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. That. Yep. that gets the team to buy into thinking they can win any given Sunday. That's the kind of guy you want in your building if you're 100%. not hiring a guy that can skill, play art, and all that stuff. Yep. And D'Amico Ryans, while again, they didn't win against the Ravens and they didn't win against the Colts, he has them believing and competing, and I think it's a beautiful thing. I think Houston has their guy. We'll see kind of long-term what it look ends up looking like, but I like what I'm seeing so far. You know, C.J. Stroud's got a nice connection with Nico Collins, 7 for 146. He also had two fumbles, by the way, which he needs to learn how to hold onto the ball. But, yep, um, yeah, no, I think credit to Houston and credit to C.J. Stroud. They've looked better than I thought they would, even though they're 0-2. They'll be a feisty out. The rest of the way. Now we can uh, cover your Rams here. My Rams, huh? <laughs> uh, here's what I'll say. We need to give the Rams their flowers. Sean McVay, we disrespected all offseason, myself included, even after week one. Yeah. Um, this man's a former Super Bowl head coach, one of the best offensive minds in the game. And Matthew Stafford, who I, I didn't write off Matthew Stafford. I still had him as a top 10 QB when I did my rankings uh, in the offseason. He has turned, you know, him and Sean McVay into a very competitive Rams team with Kyron Williams, who is their new version of Todd Gurley, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Puka Nakua, who's taken the Cooper Cup role. Yep. My God. Uh, broken NFL rookie records for most receptions uh, through two games, most uh, catches in an NFL rookie debut. Uh, first NFL rookie with 
10 plus catches and 100 plus yards in back to back games as a rookie. He's the real deal. For uh, those of y'all that picked him up for fantasy, good on you. Yeah. You know what was really annoying? I <laughs> I had heard his name in a couple of podcasts that I listened to, but I was just like, eh, you know, how much do I really trust this I fifth put a round? Flyer out on <laughs> fifth round, you know, rookie wide receiver out of BYU, and shame on me because he has been balling. Yep, I put a flyer out on him because he was available, but I also needed a running back and well, my running back situation got a whole lot worse recently. Well, that's why I prioritize Kyron Williams, who's been phenomenal as well out of the backfield for them. I got Gainwell. Hopefully he comes back. Hopefully this week. Uh, Brock Purdy, 17-25, 206. All he does is win. To me, he's very similar to the Jimmy G situation. But, um, yeah, we are uh, led by Christian McCaffrey, 20 for 116 and a touchdown. And, uh, yeah, Debo Samuel's looking good. Brandon Ayuk also suffered a shoulder injury, so something just to kind of um, yep. keep an eye on. But, yeah, Niners still look like one of the best teams in the NFC. And the Rams, listen, respect. Because they could go 2-1 and one after this week if Joe Burrow doesn't play. And we all kind of just kind of wrote them off. And Stafford and McVay, as long as those two are, are there, they're looking to be competitive. Yep. Giants, Cardinals, uh, Giants my God, using my and abusing Saquon. <laughs> Yep, Saquon now out for the next three weeks with a quote-unquote regular ankle sprain, I think it was. Yeah, three, two to three weeks, most likely three. Um, Daniel Jones, though, completing a 21-point comeback for the Giants. Nope. Uh, the Justin curse is real. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it really is. Uh, but Daniel Jones, uh, got to give him his flowers, too. Uh, after not scoring, the Giants didn't score a touchdown for six quarters to open up the NFL season. Yup. And then they come out in the second half, score 31 points, and lead a comeback victory. And Daniel Jones, 26-37, 321, two touchdowns. Uh, listen, the Giants are going to win kind of ugly football, especially without Saquon now. Yes. Um, but yeah, Brian Dayball, again, another coach that you just got to give respect to. He was the coach of the year last year. Um, yeah, this Giants team is not worth trifling with. Yep. Uh, all right. Cowboys dismantled the Jets in what was a very predictable matchup. Yeah. Um, I just want to ask, um, mainly towards my brother if he's listening to this, you still think you can get draft capital for Zach Wilson? He <laughs> looks cooked. And Dak Prescott, again, 31-38, to 38, 255, two touchdowns. This is going to be a, a lot of what Dallas's game looks like, where Dak, Dak is only asked to do so much, kind of manages the game. Tony Pollard will lead them in rushing, and the defense kind of carries the way. By the way, Micah Parsons... Shout out to you. You should be one of the MVP frontrunners. Because he has looked phenomenal so far. Do you see him murder Zach Wilson yes. damn near? Uh, About to make him have to go to a third string QB. Very just insane. Uh, the Washington Commanders in an absolute thriller. 35 to 33. I was actually on FaceTime with Let, you in the closing moments of this game. Let's be honest. That last play, though, clearly pass interference. Yeah, Denver kind of got rocked. Um, it's a rough one. And now Sean Payton's throwing kind of more shade at Russ. Things are not looking good for the Broncos. Uh, Sam Howell and the Commanders, meanwhile, they were kind of like my dark horse. Kind of they could be surprised some people team. If they had them finishing third in the NFC East. Uh, he's looked good so far, man. Almost 300 yards, two touchdowns. Brian Robinson. Just throw the ball to Scary Terry. <laughs> yeah, he was the leading guy. He had most targets, most receptions. Yeah, this game. When he's on my bench in fantasy. <laughs> 54 yards and a touchdown. He had an amazing touchdown grab, by the way. Oh, I, I know. That. I know. <laughs> I'm well aware. Uh, Granted, yeah. I won this the, week in fantasy. So. Yeah, the commanders also, by the way, came back from, I think it was like 18 points down yep. to win this game. Um, yeah, Sean Payton and Denver, not oh, happy. We forgot to mention briefly on the Lions game, uh, Montgomery went out with an injury. Yes, he did. Among many running backs oh and many players that have gone out with injuries. So. We're about to have to do a baseball update yeah. with football <laughs> with for football. injuries. 
Yeah. Um, getting into Sunday night's game, uh, Miami took care of business 24 to 17. Uh, listen, man, Tua didn't have necessarily the greatest game. Uh, he did kind of fall on his backside at one point towards yep. the end of the first half. Had an interception, but he was 21 to 30, 249 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Raheem Mostert, 18 for 121 and two touchdowns. Mack looked fine. Um, to me, New England just isn't explosive, as explosive enough as they need to be on offense, where Miami clearly is, and that's the reason I think it was the big difference in this game. What I'll say about Tua, listen, again, similar to Bo Nix, like, put a full season together, and I'll, you know, say your praises, but up to this point, Tua deserves his credit. He's played uh, phenomenal football. He obviously had that really big game against the Chargers, and he did what basically uh, Mike McDaniel asked for him the whole game outside of really that kind of one bad interception. Yep. Um, but, yeah, no, listen, Tua and Bo Nix, like I said, back-to-back episodes, they're getting props from me. So take it while you can, boys. Uh, getting into the two Monday night games. Real ugly Monday night football. Yeah. Uh, the Saints-Panthers was kind of more similar to what you expect. Jamal Williams ended up going out in injuries, speaking of which. Yep, another one. Uh, Olave led the way for uh, with receptions, 6 for 86 for the Saints. Um, Bryce Young, listen, he's a rookie. He's still trying to get used to the NFL, get used to the progressions and stuff. The game will slow down to him. And he's still a really creative playmaker behind the line of scrimmage. He had that really impressive, like, 30-yard run, excuse, or 26-yard run, excuse me, that he had. Um, look, the Panthers, they're not going to be any contender for the division this year, but for future years, I think they have their guy, QB-wise. Yep. Uh, excuse me. Um, but yeah, Saints took care of business. Derek Carr is the best QB in that division. They'll compete probably with Atlanta. Steelers-Browns. This is the last game of the slate. Deshaun Watson played an ugly game 22 of 40 one touchdown one interception he also grabbed an official at one point and how many pis did he get um or not pis uh he also had two fumbles as well he had two face masks yes which was very bizarre he's just i don't think he realized how he's not the same level of player that he used to be where he yeah. could get around guys and he was kind of frustrated here's the thing so pittsburgh had the fourth quarter comeback right Yo. Do you know how many offensive yards they had in the fourth quarter, Brennan? I didn't look yet, no. Negative seven. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard of a team making a fourth quarter comeback with negative seven yards in the fourth quarter. That's wild. Kenny Pickett is not up to this point been him. No. Um, but TJ Watt and the Steelers were defense were able enough to get it done to kind of level them at 1-1. Uh, Jalen Warren, I'll say this, looks a lot more explosive than Najee. Uh, Pittsburgh, I want to take notice of that soon because Najee looks... Slow. Yep. Also, we got to send our condolences here. Um, Nick yeah, Chubb. Yeah. Uh, ugly injury. Yeah. Taken out, I believe it was in the second quarter. Um, hit by Minka Fitzpatrick. It was one of those bang bang plays that you see all the time in football um, where Nick Chubb's knee buckled. Um, I would advise not to go watch the injury. Um, no. Is a very gruesome one. Some people are saying. And I don't want to. I don't even want to put it out in the space that it could be really bad for Nick Chubb. And obviously, it's going to be a long way to recover. I hope the best for Nick Chubb. He's one of my favorite players in the NFL, and a guy that already had to come back from a really bad knee injury in college while he was at Georgia. Um, and I hope this isn't the end for Nick Chubb. But uh, Jerome Ford came in, sixteen for one hundred six, including a sixty-nine yard run that set up a touchdown for the Browns. Um, look, man, it just it sucks for Nick Chubb, uh, but the Browns. They just they do not look efficient on offense at all. Nope. And I get it, they were going against Pittsburgh's defense, but this just was a classic AFC North matchup where it was just ugly, physical, and ultimately the better team, I felt like, on the night got the job done. So shout out to Pittsburgh. Yep. 
Moving on in to next week's matchups. Um, I'll start with the one that I'm really interested in, and that is, if I can scroll down and find it, geez. Uh, to me, the matchup that I'm really interested in is Los Angeles versus Minnesota. Um, I know this is your team, Brendan, but Blues are this game. To me, uh, what, Los Angeles, Minnesota? Is that Minnesota not your team? <laughs> Hello? Oh, I didn't. I was oh, looking at the... It was on the wrong week. I was like, what is going on here? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that one, whoever loses that game, uh, someone's on the hot seat. If it's the Chargers, Brandon Staley, majorly on the hot seat. If it's the Vikings, Kevin O'Connell might be going up to management and just saying, hey, look, Kirk's on his last year of his deal. Why don't we start kind of planning for the future? <clears throat> Take that note now ahead of time. I just... Just tank. What's a, uh, what's a game you're looking at, Brandon? Uh, shoot. Mm. I low-key kind of like the Indy Baltimore game. That one could be interesting. Yeah. Especially if Anthony Richardson plays. Yeah, that's the... Hey, Gardner Minshew, man. Come on. <laughs> uh, Yeah, other than that, I mean, the Rams versus Bengals. Yeah. If they can figure out what's going on there, too. Again, it's QB-dependent. Yeah. Really? If Burrow doesn't play, um, what does Cincinnati look like? Philly versus Tampa Bay. Baker against that pass defense of Philly. That yeah. could be an interesting one. Um, I'll say this. Chicago versus Kansas City. Uh, could, you know, people in Chicago be coming for fields after this one? Uh, what I will say is Chicago's coaching staff last year, they came and uh, they came and changed up the playbook last year when it wasn't working. Yep. Hopefully they realize it earlier this year. Also, Denver at Miami. If Denver doesn't win that game, they fall to 0-3. How much more patience does Sean Payton have with Russell Wilson? Probably not much. Yeah. Although they paid him a crap ton. Yeah. So there. I don't know what he can really do there. That is true. Any other games you want to touch on before we uh, wrap it up here? No, I really... All right. Well, does it there. Well, if you've listened to us before, you know we got to finish it off with this day in sports. Starting now. All right. On this day, 2004, NFL Oakland Raider wide receiver Jerry Rice ends NFL streak of 274 consecutive games with a reception and a 13 of 10 victory over the Buffalo Bills. Jerry Rice, the ultimate Iron Man. On this day in 1901, 11 baseball games were canceled due to the funeral of President William McKinley. On this day, back in 2000, Ken Griffey Jr. pitch hits his 400th home run, becoming the first major league player to reach that mark as a pinch hitter. Um, Ken, is there any chance you can come out of retirement and bat for Seattle? Just saying. What was your first one you said? Uh, I did the uh, 2008. Perfect. Or, or not 2008, excuse me. I did 2004. Perfect. On this day in 1947, Jackie Robinson is named Rookie of the Year. Oh, that's a really good one. Wow. That's why I was hoping you didn't say because I was like, I didn't really pay attention to the first one. Crap. <laughs> On this day back in 1993, Tom Glavin wins 20 games in three straight years. Shout out to one of the more underrated lefties of all time. Nice. Uh, let's see here. Oh, on this day in 1992, Barry Bonds joins Willie Mays, Howard Johnson, and Ron Grant as having... 30 home runs and 30 steals in a season. Great minds think alike. I was looking right at that one. Perfect. 
Uh, on this day in 1955, Cubs slugger Ernie Banks hits record fifth Grand Slam of the season. Shout out to him. Nice. And you can uh, you can do the last one if you want. Sure. On this day in let's go 2017, new MLB record for most home runs in a season, number five thousand six hundred and ninety four hits by Alex Gordon of Kansas City Royals. Interesting. All right. Anything else, Brennan? Are we ready to take it out of here? I think that really about does it for this day. In sports? <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody who listened to this podcast, Good Time Sports, episode 53. Crazy that we got here. Uh, for myself, Cullen Brown, Brennan Carson, thanking you very much for tuning into this episode. Making sure you check us out, Apple Music, Spotify, also on socials, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all the good stuff. We'll be talking sports throughout this NFL football, baseball sports season. Uh, from sports us here, season. gotta love sports. All right. Thank you again. And one last time for today. Peace.